Good evening, Fräulein. The bar is closed. We are... We are... Not thirsty. What do you want? The same thing your friend Dr. Jones wanted. Surely he told you there would be other interested parties. He must have slipped his mind. Why don't you tell me where the piece is right now? Listen, Herr Mac. I don't know what kind of people you're used to dealing with. Nobody tells me what to do in my place. Fräulein Ravenwood, let me show you what I am used to. Nick! Finding idols, digging bones. Hi, I'm Chris Honeywell, singing the, as you all recognize, the opening theme to Indiana Jones by John Williams, lyrics by Chris Honeywell. I am joined tonight with my podcast partner in crime, Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? And we also have two guests with us tonight, uh, Josh Baker, who sort of was the catalyst for all this. It was sort of his idea to... To organize this little he indie love fest. He pissed and moaned and begged and pleaded. And I was finally like, Jesus Christ, here's, all right already. We'll do Indiana in. Jones. Yeah, shut up already. And we've got... Need, uh, if you slack asses need your, one of your fans to uh, help you... Um, <laughs> exactly. ...help you along in your format, I'm more than happy to uh, step up to the plate. Someday we're just going to be able to just, like, step back and our fans will just make the whole show for us and we won't oh, have to do anything. sweet. We can just rake in the money and not do a goddamn thing. That's <laughs> yeah. been my dream my rake entire life. Rake in the money. I like that, yeah. Yep. Would like that's my cut my... in advance, please? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's been my dream my entire life, to not do a fucking thing and make the money. Yep, there you go. I've already and... got the not do a fucking thing <laughs> at, so, you know. It's the money part the that's other, always yeah. the sticky part. Yeah, yeah, that's the part I haven't figured out yet. 
And also we have last minute edition and guest Michael Bailey will be hey. <laughs> I, I, I guess we could refer to this as that I was just standing there and you guys, hey, you you want to come in and do a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 shockingly, this is not the first time that's happened to me. So. <laughs> he was just an innocent victim of circumstance. Yeah, if you keep hanging around me and Scott, you know, it's bound to happen again, I'm sure. No, I'm very happy to be here. Big fan of the <laughs> Hey, stupid, get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, come on, Scott. You mean white paneled van? <laughs> there you go. No windows and no seats. Yeah. I found it weird that you uh, had that van that had uh, free candy spray painted on the seat. Yes. <laughs> he calls hey. it the playground prowler. <laughs> it used to say "Hey, kids, comics," but you know, kids don't read comics yeah, they, anymore. So. Yeah, and the kids that do are too smart to get near the panel truck. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You Spider-Man know. warned us of this once. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spider-Man and Power Pack did an issue about this. I remember that. <laughs> well, the great thing is that with the with the free candy, you can kind of corner the market on Chevy Kids. Because, the, <laughs> yes. one, they're slow. You know, they, they don't move too fast. So once you got them, you got them. And there's and more skin know, on them, too. That's what and, I like. You know what? Okay. Take it from me. Fat people are just plain hard to kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation oh killer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, my God. Weren't we talking so, about something? How about that Indiana Jones, huh? That's right. That's the theme of our show. I, I was just realizing we hadn't even told anybody what we're talking about tonight. Yes, it's Indiana Jones. Although I was singing, the, singing my lovely rendition of it at the beginning, so that probably gave it away flat out in a second. Lovely's not the word that comes to mind, but go ahead. But, uh, yeah, I mean... We're 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 gonna start right at the beginning, which was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Which I've been watching all the Indiana Jones movies in preparation for this. You know, that's my ho- the homework. It's awesome. And uh, I, the only one I didn't watch, well, I didn't watch the third movie. I didn't watch the La- Last Crusade because I've seen it about four times lately on TV, so it's <laughs> fresh in my head. But I didn't watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. I watched. The Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation that was made by those kids over seven years in their backyard, you know, a bunch of kids and their friends. They shot it on video, but they recreated every line, every camera angle, everything. They just recreated the whole movie shot for shot, and it's it's great. So it was basically like watching the movie again. Because all I have to do is hear the dialogue and see the shots, and I could play the Spielberg version right along with it. So that was my prep for that. But I just watched Temple of Doom yesterday and Crystal Skull the day before that. So I'm ready to go. Yeah, I just watched uh, Crystal Skull this afternoon. So yeah, I'm I'm totally good to go. So where do we want to go from here? Well, let's uh, let's let's ask our guests because we sort of went through our. I guess our Indiana Jones origin stories back way back in the in, Steven Spielberg yep. series of retrospective episodes where we did everything but Crystal Skull. Right. So, you know, let's sort of let's sort of uh, hit up our guests for. Um, so, Josh, how were you, were you even around there, kid, when uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> came out? Yeah, Raiders came out in '81, June '81, I think. And I was a lustful look in my father's eye around Ooh. the time. I was not born until June of 82. 
Ooh, so it was uh, it was uh, a TV. What, so, what was the first Indiana Jones movie? I guess that you that you saw um, was it was it Raiders of the Lost Ark or? I think that it was. I think I saw it at my aunt's house. I was probably about maybe six or seven, and um, I can just remember. I don't remember much of the experience, but what I do remember is you know just watching the opening of the arc scene. Uh huh. Being scared out of my fucking skull. It was. Yeah. You know because yeah, I mean it's like we. I was in like Sunday school and what have you, reading or like reading about and learning about the ark. And you know, <laughs> they don't cover. Uh, you know, it's gonna melt off your fucking face. Yeah. <laughs> in uh in Leviticus, but uh, it will. Uh, It'll scare you straight, you know, power of God and whatnot. Well, what struck me when I, when I was a kid and I saw it, what struck me is it was just an insane amount of vi- – a lot more violence than I was used to in movies, you know, especially a PG movie that, like, my mom would take me to. At lots of uh, – you know, pretty bloody. And, um, wow, six years old, I would have been flipped out of my head. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Michael Bailey, how wh- how old are you? Uh, I'm I'm 33. I was born in 76. Okay. Uh, uh, the first time I remember seeing it, it's one of two times. It was either very late 83 when we got our first VCR. And that was the first movie we watched on the VCR. Somebody brought over a copy uh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or it was at my Aunt Jenny's house. Because I remember watching, I remember vividly seeing it at her house too, but I can't remember which was first. So, uh, and hers would have been on a Betamax. Ooh, wow. Because, <laughs> because nice my picture Aunt, quality on them Betamaxes, though. My Aunt Jenny and my Aunt Josie kept their Betamaxes until like 92. So <laughs> they, they found it, they found a, a store that actually rented them still in like 92, which was, wow. I, I thought that was illegal by then, but, um, <laughs> you're right. I, I remember really enjoying the film. I remember liking him ducking and the guy getting cut up in the propellers and and being more than a little freaked out at the people's faces melting. That was, that you know, I was 83, so I was like seven, eight years old. Um, I remember being bored at parts, though. And, and I guess that's just because I was a little kid and that's how I was, but... When I, I, I rewatched them all recently because uh, I found the VHS tapes in the house. And I was like, hey, I haven't watched these in a while. And it reminds me how spoiled I am on DVD when you watch an old VHS yeah. tape. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I love this movie. I, I really do. I think it's an excellent, excellent introduction to the character, the whole love you thing at the beginning. Um, the fact that it's got uh, Porkins from Star Wars in it. <laughs> that dude's all over the place, by the way. He was Lieutenant Eckhart in Batman. Yes, he was. Uh, uh, and he was also... The BBC did a Superman radio show where he was Lex Luthor. It was really bizarre. Wait a minute. Um, I'm trying to figure... Where was Porkins in Raiders? I'm, I'm blanking. I'm trying to remember the where... He was one at the, the beginning. Government. No, no, he's not. That's uh, that's uh, Alfred Molina, who was Doctor Octopus no, no, no. in uh, Spider-Man went, Two. The government they went to the school. And yeah, they... the guy. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yeah, you're. Oh, shit, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Had the wrong. Had the wrong guy. I was thinking of. 
Yeah, he was wearing the same suit that looked like that he wore in Superman 4 as well. But, um... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> he just brings it to the set with yeah. him whenever he comes, you know. <laughs> no, but, it, but it's just... Harrison Ford, crea- you know, crafted that character oh, yeah. in such a way that you instantly like him. Yeah. I mean, he's just got that charisma, and it's, a, you know, it's just, it's, a, you know, it, it was supposed to be kind of like Star Wars. It was supposed to be like old serials. Yes. And you really get that feeling. And that's what I like about it. I mean, I have less good things to say about Temple of Doom, but I think from beginning to end, it was a, it was a well-crafted, well-written movie with, for the time, good special effects. I, I uh, think, I think Scott and, and I, our, our judgment of it was almost that it's like one of those perfect movies. It's, um, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much perfect. It's store, everything works in its universe. You know, there's just there's no glitches in it. It just it, it it's just works as an action movie. It works as a, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it's due to Harrison Ford because, you know, he makes the character intelligent, but cocky but and aggressive. Yeah, and aggressive, yeah. and he actually gets you know every movie. There's at least one scene where he gets really pissed off. You know, yes. where he gets angry and uh yeah i love it in every in every movie that's the every every movie is sort of almost a a different genre almost but the consistent thing that holds it all together is harrison ford's character i I mean the only thing about indiana jones that that is kind of questionable is the fact that start doing the math on how old marion is yeah they had their relationship it's like really (laughs) okay (laughs) I guess it was a little more acceptable in the 20s, but, you know, yeah, still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, <laughs> yeah I think I remember little... hearing about in some book where they were talking about their relationship. Like, she was watching him do a lecture, and she was, like, 15, 16. Right. Or something like that. Well, she was, like, really young. Well, well, one thing I noticed with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is when he's talking to his class before, it's the only one where he sort of assumes that Clark Kent persona Mm-hmm. He's just like now, class, uh, blah 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 blah, and, uh, blah, blah, blah. and he has sort of a higher pitched voice. He's got his glasses on, and all, all the other movies when you see him, except for Temple of Doom, where you don't see him teaching class at all. You know, he's more himself. So yeah. I, I, I think they sort of changed that. But, but yeah, I could see him. I could see him scamming on a fifteen-year-old Marion. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Clark Kent thing because uh, that was one aspect that I really liked of um, – I can't remember if it was two issues or three issues that John Byrne did that kicked off the Further Adventures of Indiana Jones right. comic book series. The Marvel comics, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and you know, that's really you – know, I hate to be really harsh with that series, but honestly – those are the only issues yeah, in that with downhill, that are really, really worth reading is the is the opener with by John Byrne. Yep. And he really did capture that element, you know, that that when he was in in school wearing his his nice professor suit and glasses, he was very much a Clark Kent. And then as soon as you know the 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 games afoot, you know, to steal a, a thing from Sherlock Holmes, suddenly he kicks into, you know, ass-kicking archaeologist mode. And I really enjoyed that element. So it's, it's cool that you picked up on that. And you're right. You know, they don't really ever come back to that. You know, everything 
every the other girls time. Still, we... The ladies still love him even when he's Clark Kent, though. They're, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you notice like three quarters of his class are, are, are hot co-eds, you know, and they're all just sort of, you know, one of them even leaves a note on his desk. You can see her just sort of drop a note on her desk, his desk, and when she walks away, she's just sort of like, ooh, I did it. <laughs> but the movie also had Marion, who is the only female companion, really, of, uh, of, of note. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, really and truly, Willie, I could... If she would have died in the first ten minutes of that film, I wouldn't have been all that upset. Oh, come on! I, I'm not going to big... go on record as to say I think that Willie is the hottest of the of the three that we've seen on screen. And she, uh, she, I, she, I would she, like to see her come back. She was definitely the one that had the like sexiest outfits and that was the more sex pot character. But that's you know when I watched Temple of Doom, I really realized that. They, they did a really good job of, and it was the first Lucas sort of prequel <laughs> of sort of going back in time because Harrison Ford actually looked younger in that movie than he did in Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> and he was shallower, you know. It was a it was a shallower and more, you know, he was fortune and glory, Indiana Jones. So right. Willie, Willie Scott was probably about the depth of female companionship <laughs> that he was going to be hitting in, hitting in that territory in, in those days. So I thought that was amazingly consistent. I like Temple of Doom a lot more watching it just the other day. I've uh, always liked that movie, and I've always been surprised how dogged that one is. And, and to, to hear so many other people really, you know, outright not like that one. It's the that most was... cartoony one, I think. But, it, it but... is, but I mean, it's got some ass-kicking action in it, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. It really oh, yeah. is a... I, I it... mean, I'll, I... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It the thing, the thing about Temple of Doom, one, it's kind of funny that you say that it was the car- most cartooniest, if that's even a word, and that's even <laughs> bad, that's even bad uh-huh. grammar on top of that. Ah, is, I love it. Is, um... <laughs> That was the one that was most directly marketed to kids because I had Indiana Jones PJs, and they were Temple of Doom PJs. Right. <laughs> so I'm I'm dead serious. I, I remember having those. And but the the thing about Temple of Doom that I don't like the two things are are one they only go one place, and what I like about Indiana Jones movies is when they go to like a bunch of different locations. Yeah. And you feel like you're okay. world hopping. And here they go to, he goes to the village, and then he goes to the palace, you know, slash you know the palace. And, and 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 while you know it's an exciting story, I'll give it that. It's it's a well crafted story. I remember watching the making of special on TV, where they were showing how they did all the like the radio controlled cars, and the the fact Stop that the cliff motion. was a painted glass, and all that. And two, I I. I you know, it, it just seems like it, it's almost like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, where at the end of it, it becomes all about the children. And that kind of got to me, too, where, where, where it wasn't about him finding artifacts, uh, you know, to, to save the world, but it was more like this more little uh, localized yeah. adventure. And for some reason, that bugged me, and I didn't like Kate Capshaw. I, but, uh, uh, well, that would, yeah, that's, that would be a deal breaker right there. See, I think it was. I think this was one where I think in this movie there was. I think it was sort of where Indy gets a little humility 
Right. Because, uh, you know, hey, fortune and glory and stuff. And then he gets, and then he realizes somewhere in the Temple of Doom, it's all very cheesy and very Spielbergian. At the same time, it's one of the more violent Indiana Jones movies or movies of that time, even. But, um, you know, he realizes he's got a little family. He's got Willie, Willie and Short Round. He's sort of like got a wife and a kid there. But they're, you know, it's like a fake wife and a fake kid. They're, they're, both, they're both basically transient, you know. Well, he got the kid's father killed, so he was... Right, right. ...ultimately responsible for him. You know, he didn't want right. the kid, but it was his arrogance at the beginning that, that got Short Round's dad killed, if I'm oh, remembering. Oh, so, so, that, so, so that guy was Short Round's dad. I never knew that. I always thought it was. What? Wait. Oh. Are you talking about uh, the, uh, the guy who was it who got um, he got shot, right? He was yes. He was the guy who was covering Indy as dressed as a waiter. Oh no, I don't think so. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It's been so long since I've read the novelization. I was going to say short round took his death in stride. If that's the case, yeah, no, because he maybe I was he, just seeing something that wasn't there. So. Yeah, because when he gives the 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 origin of of his relationship with was short round later on he says that because uh, willie says something about where'd you find your little bodyguard and he says oh, i didn't find him i caught him and right. short round had tried to pick his pocket mm-hmm. and you know he basically took him in because his, he'd been on the streets for you know a, a certain amount of time because his family was killed when the Japanese bombed Shanghai. Oh, that's and right. And he'd been living on the streets for, I think he says, since he was four or something something to that effect. So I don't know that he had any relationship to... Um, God, what was that, guys? I can't I know the character you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Wuhan? I think it's Wuhan, I think is his name. Something like that. I, yeah. I don't know why I always thought that. That's very bizarre. They look a lot alike. They do look a lot alike. That was that was my one uh, really big disappointment with the with the um, wedding scene at the end of uh, of uh, Crystal Skull. Oh yeah, was because yeah, there was that too. online rumor for the longest time that all of like Indy's girlfriends and stuff were going to show up in the fourth film. And then, you know, when that didn't pan out, I thought maybe at that scene at the end where he and Marion get married, that maybe we would see at least, you know, um, short round, maybe even uh, Willie in there. But, you know, they, they didn't throw it in. I was, I was disappointed by that. I thought it would have been really neat to see short round, you know, in the, in the audience or maybe as a, a best man or something like that. I thought that would have been interesting. And then we bring Sala in for that wedding. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They don't even mention him in that. Now that I think about that, he's probably he's like one of my favorite characters too. He's just yeah. a great, great. Oh, character. Sala. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that was one of the high points when I went to when I saw the um, Last Crusade in the theater. Was when all of a sudden Sala shows up. It's just like, oh yes, Sala <laughs> <laughs> well, was a badass in, in Raiders yes. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Yes. You know they yeah, they go out of their way to. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if I can go back to, uh, to Temple real quick, um, I'm going to be one of those people that um, will not dog on that movie. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that it's my favorite of the four. I could see that being argued. It's 
It's like the it's like the template breaker. It's a different than than all the other ones formula wise. It's but darker than all the other ones it's, too. It's it's darker, but it's, it's also it's more colorful and more um, vibrant looking. Mm-hmm. I like what I like about it is um, you got you know you got um, Indiana Jones in the beginning where he's looking very Bondish in that that dinner jacket and what had you know, I guess yeah. because like Spielberg always wanted to do a Bond movie and you know this was his way of trying to to do it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so you got that right there. You're trying to, you know, you're mixing, you know, two different movie franchises together. And I thought that, you know, it played off very well because you see him in kind of a different light. He's really arrogant, not really arrogant, but he's pretty arrogant. Yeah. And uh, kind of a badass, even though, you know, like he tries, you know, if Flauche's um, uh, um, son, I think it was, that got his like finger cut off because he tried to steal the um, the remains of Nurhachi. Right. From Indy the night before. And you know, it's like, you know, next time he pulls that, he's going to lose more than his finger. You know, you know, just kind of cements him as kind of a badass. And Yeah, and he's not doing archaeology. He's he's mm-hmm. dealing with underworld, like, cutthroat underworld people, you know? So he's... That he totally thinks he is playing. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Just, just completely. He thinks he's got this all figured out, and they just... They show him, no... Sorry, you got a lot to learn in this situation. Get well, also, get this... back to the classroom, douchebag. Let us handle the mob stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, the scene in the in the Maharaja's palace when they're all at dinner, and the scene between you know Indy, kind of dressed halfway between you know his his normal Indiana Jones outfit and his professor outfit. You know, he's kind of in that in between stage. Mm-hmm. And you know he's talking to uh, Chatterlal and uh, and the British um, captain. Yes, there's a there's a lot of tension in that scene, and a lot of that scene almost feels like you say like a James Bond movie. Oh yeah, because Indeed. there's a lot of dialogue there of that you know we're, we're reading between the lines. We know what we're secretly saying without coming right out and yeah. saying. You know, there's a very big James Bond. Well, yeah, he's pissed. He's he's pissed off that India and the British have both shown up at the same time, poking their nose in when they're getting ready to. Yeah. You know, they're trying to dig up the last two stones. So right. yeah, that guy know, totally sudden, feels like a Bond up. villain. And and even through dinner, you know, I mean, Indy's whole conversation through dinner is just basically fucking with them. You know, they're they're just it's a total poker standoff. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're both bluffing each other, and you know, with the side with the gross out sideline going on on top of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, and that to me always came off as you know part of the. Um, part of the transformation of the character because that right there the conversation that he's having with uh, with Chatter mm-hmm. seems very disrespectful and something that yeah. Indy wouldn't do like in the later films right chron- like chronologically like in Raiders and Last Crusade and you know Crystal it just you know he just seems you know brash and arrogant and- yeah he knows they're up to something but he's really letting on that he knows that's why he gets an assassin in his room that night yeah, you know right. so <laughs> That 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 whole dinner scene um, was what totally made me remember that I have to go back and listen to all the soundtracks again because I used to listen to especially Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
I used to listen to those soundtracks all the time, and I forget how good they are. The same thing happened when I saw Superman again. You know, right. It's like, oh man, I forgot how great this music was, and, and I am uh, I'm a huge fan of Temple of, of the Doom original. had some really good music in it too. Mm-hmm. Temple of Doom was just filled with great John Williams wonderfulness. That well, freeing know, the, of that freeing of the slaves um, theme was yeah. That that's still kick ass. Probably my favorite uh, song of the uh, of the trilogy. Well, somebody finally released. Um, a complete score trilogy for for all three of the original trilogy Indiana Jones films. I want to say it was Film Score Monthly, but I'm not sure who exactly it was. That would make sense since but, they put out everything else. Yeah, it is totally <laughs> worth it though. It's it's really awesome. It's just about they they called it the complete score, and I think there are a few things missing off of uh, off Last Crusade in particular, but it's pretty damn complete. And it's really, I mean, it's really something. I really enjoy listening to that because all three of those are really great scores. And and when I saw the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaptation, they'd used all the, you know, all the score music also <laughs> right along with it. And, you know, since you're watching it as this thing the kids made, you're really paying attention a lot more. So I was paying more attention to the music going, oh, my God, they've got this lined right up with all of John Williams cues and everything it was great and I used to I used Raiders of Lost Ark was one of those records I used to put that and Close Encounters were ones I used to put on my record player that would just repeat and play and I would go to sleep listening yep. to them yep yeah I still somewhere I still have my my original albums to uh, Raiders and to Temple of Doom I'm not sure if I ever got one for last I think I had Last Crusade on cassette I still point. got my Raiders <laughs> I've still got my Raiders album but I did didn't have Temple of Doom and Last Crusade till I got that whole soundtrack set of soundtrack files that you gave me. So for background music <laughs> for the for the shows, yeah. so now I can actually go and listen to it now. And of course, it'll be playing all throughout this underneath us. Oh yeah, so you'll, you'll get a nice earful then. But yeah, that's. You know, whenever John Williams is involved, especially with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, it's usually. Well, I, I would like to pick effect. everybody's brains just for you know favorite musical moments from the movie, because you know from the from the trilogy, because mine are pretty easy. I mean, I've 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 got you know my favorite mo- moments from each of them, you know, musically speaking, pretty down pat. But I think the one, if I had to pick one moment from all of them. I think it has to be the map room at dawn sequence Ooh, when, yeah. when yes. the laser is formed out of the staff of Ra because that is like that's the, the Luke binary Skywalker sunset. Watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly right. I love that that piece of music. But I mean, there's there's so many other sequences too. John Williams, I guess, does great music when it has to do with suns. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever the suns I, involved. I, I, my favorite is when Indy realizes Marion's alive Ooh. in Raiders when he finds her. Mm-hmm. If, I think I remember. I think there was music under. I remember music under. It. Oh yeah, no. There's a big sort of orchestral and and, and it just know, it almost made sweep. me cry because you see what's you see the gears running in Harrison Ford's head. Yeah, right. <laughs> like she's alive, and Williams comes in under that, and it's just like amazing. Yep. I guess uh, he, 
Oh, go ahead. He, he's very good at using the music almost mm-hmm. as the the um, thought balloons or like the inner monologue that the character might be going through right. at a particular moment. Mm-hmm. You can talk. You can certainly tug on the heartstrings. You know, and uh, convey the emotion that you need to be, that you need to have while watching the scene. Like in, like in Jedi, I'm crossing the streams, and I'm sorry. Cross them all. No, that's up, cool. <laughs> like in Jedi, when um, uh, when uh, Vader, when Vader he pulls off his mask, and you know, you tell your sister she was right, and he fades out, and he does his last, he breathes out for the last time, and it's the Imperial March, but it's. Slow. Or the entire helicopter sequence from Superman the movie, which is just pound for pound the best piece from that film. Oh, oh yeah. A film full of great music, too. Yeah. yeah well no done at that time. I'm, I'm assuming that, um, that Mike, you mean when, uh, when the helicopter falls off of the building yes. after you just saved Lois and he catches it? Totally. Yep. I totally, I was watching that with my son, and he was watching it for the first time. And, you know, it was like father, son, geek. You know, I'm showing him something that really, you know, that I was really into when I was his age. And, you know, Superman catches the helicopter, my son cheers, yay, and I and I, <laughs> I almost bawled. I welled up and, you know, the lip was quivering, and I'm not afraid to admit it. That's what it's all about right there, man. I've been, I've been going through the, the sick. <laughs> what was yep. that? I said hair on the back of the neck. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I've been going through the same thing now for, for a while with my boys as I've been slowly introducing them to you know, all the same geek movies I grew up with, you know, the, the indie films and Superman, Star Wars, Star Trek, all that. And, yeah, I, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I did. I did lose it, though, the, the first time that uh, we watched episode, uh, episode four. And it's like he was just kind of fidgeting, and you know that first, that first boom when the you know Star Wars the word the word Star Wars appears on screen, and then does the scroll, and he's just like, ooh, yay! He's got a popcorn there, and I'm watching him in the kitchen. He's watching it, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and I did. I let it all. I let it all out. I was so proud. I'm very proud. <laughs> Now, before we go on to uh, to Last Crusade, now there was uh, I think this is really more for for Raiders, but there were so many not quite like Star Wars level phenomenon, but there was a lot of stuff that came out, you know, to do with with Raiders. You know, there was uh, there was toys. You know, the whole line of action figures that came out that were pretty rare and hard to find. And, and from what mm-hmm. I understand, they're pretty valuable today. God damn it! Now my phone's gonna ring. Ha ha! One thing I noticed: you got your little list of hello. You got your little list of stuff. You know these auxiliary things. One thing you don't have on here that I can't believe that you don't have on here was the role-playing game. It was like a Dungeons oh, Dragons yeah. style role-playing game. We used to play it with your uncle Randy. Yep. He sure did. That's he why the I stopped playing it because your uncle Randy did one what thing, which he like jumped out of a plane and rolled down a rocky mountain and like just did this whole series of ridiculous things without getting a single point of damage. And I was just like, "This game's ridiculous." But I should have thought at the point that's totally like Indiana Jones, you know. <laughs> That you're uh, right too, because he totally killed it for us. Because I don't think we ever played that game again. 
And I ended up getting one of the modules that was, it was a, an adaptation for the role-playing game of that John Byrne story from the beginning of the Marvel Comics run. Uh-huh. And I never got to play it because we couldn't get a group of anybody together to play. He, he ruined Ra- it. Randy would ruin a lot of games. Randy, yeah, Randy was like the spoiler of ever, any game. Or, it, yeah. it, Trivial Pursuit was like, oh tooth grinding with <laughs> Randy and, and hilarious at the same time. Well, he was the only person I knew that was worse than my dad about if he started to lose just grabbing the edge of the board and flinging it going, yep. fuck this stupid game anyway. And so you, you learned very Whoa. quickly to, you know, you either, you either did not play with Randy or you let the Wookiee win. One yep. or the other, you know, but because <laughs> a Wookiee doesn't pester you and act like a douchebag when he loses. <laughs> Yeah, he just rips Did Randy just off. pull people's arms out of their socket? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you, right before we started, you brought up, uh, or somebody brought up a great one that I had totally missed in my notes, which was the Raiders of the Lost Ark Atari 2600 game. I can't believe I forgot about that oh. fucking Indiana Jones escape from the forces of evil. Can he survive 13 fiendish situations? Will Indy make it all the way? Find out in Atari's Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure game. It's diabolically difficult. It's mysterious. It's never the same twice. And it's only from Atari. Because I spent like... I mean, I actually beat that game, and I think I'm the only person I know that was geek enough to actually play it I so used, they beat it. I used to watch you playing that to beat it, and I would just sit there going, oh my god, it was like the E.T. game, sort of, you know? It was yeah. that blocky Atari 2600, Oh yeah. you How know? How many fucking times did I die during that part where you had to parachute off the cliff right. and just <laughs> right hit that branch to go into, like, the secret cave area or whatever? Right. And I can remember. I think I actually wore out a number of of joysticks playing that game because I'd get so pissed and just hurl the fucking things. Because that game, I think that was probably the most frustrating twenty six hundred game ever made beyond like ET or something. ET was pretty bad. Yeah. ET, I could never figure out how to play. Yeah, exactly. It was just this yeah, like cipher. Yeah. It was, it was it was that way with the Superman game, too. It was the Superman game and the Indiana Jones game where I would just run around for about five minutes and then just completely lose interest and be like, yeah, I'm going to go watch I'm gonna go watch Transformers. I think yeah, Indiana Jones as a video <laughs> game sort of got better once the video game systems caught up to where you could actually do Indiana Jones sort of stuff, you know? I may be missing a step here, but I think the first truly great Indiana Jones game was the Temple of Doom arcade game where you could act at the very beginning after you put your quarters in you could actually pick easy medium or hard and that game kicked ass I mean they had like the digitized John Williams music that was very very close to the actual score and stuff and I can remember you used to be able to do the level like the mine car chase which was harder than hell but it was still fun it was almost like like if you guys ever played the arcade version of Return of the Jedi where you could do the uh, the speeder bikes, it was like 
you know, change that angle so that instead of flying up the screen at an angle, you were instead going down the screen on an angle in the mine cars. And it was basically the same thing, and you couldn't always see what the next obstacle was. A lot of it was guesswork, so it was it was really frustrating, but it was also a lot of fun. I loved that game. I thought the first great Indiana Jones game wasn't even an Indiana Jones game. It was Pitfall. Yeah. Oh. Pitfall should have really Pitfall really should have been like the Indiana Jones, you know, because right. that was basically the idea of it, and it actually was fun to play. You knew what you had to do. You had to jump and swing and avoid and and did you could you even whip? Was it a whip that you had or you had a gun? Didn't you? I, I don't think, think it was a whip. It's like Indiana Jones and the the mystery of the Florida fog. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember him having any re- weapons now that you say that. I just I think, I I think it was just like thing. swinging vines that you had to jump yeah. on and grab. Oh, swing. that's right. Oh, God. I mean, it's been I so long really since I played Pitfall. I played that game on. My uncle had. Um, right. That was um, the original platform the of it. Yeah. Yeah, Activision. And um, I don't know if. I think it was like. Nine tenths me and one tenth the fact that the Activision controllers fucking sucked, but I was horrible at that game. I loved it, but I I sucked so bad at that game. But uh, yeah, I don't remember there being weapons. I just can remember jumping over like alligators and pits and stuff like that and falling into bogs and all that. But it it was cool. I mean, for its time, it was advanced because you know the. The running blob actually looked like a blob with legs, as opposed to like the twenty six hundred, where the <laughs> the running blob just looked like a block. A block. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's Superman flying. It's a red and blue block. Yeah, that's Superman. The, the Atari twenty six hundred uh, was just constant dread as to what your favorite video game would turn into when it came out on it. <laughs> Remember, um, actually, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but that that one we used to play all the time at Ames. Um, Vanguard. Vanguard. That wasn't bad for the 2600. I remember Pac-Man was so eagerly anticipated, and it was just like... Oh. Uh, it that was Pac-Man game was just painful. Yeah. But We'll I come mean, back to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was about to say, sure. I mean, I was happy to be sitting at my house playing Pac-Man, but at the same time, it's just like, this isn't like yeah, the video work not game. Pac-Man, yeah. We'll come back once uh, once we we go through uh, Last Crusade. We can come back to video games because after Last Crusade, we started to you know the the technology started to ramp up a little bit, and we finally started to see some some decent and then at least one excellent Indiana Jones video game. But we'll uh, we can come back to that in a little bit. Yeah, Last Crusade. Yeah, actually, Last Crusade was very much like Crystal Skull with me. Those last two were ones that I saw. You know, the first time was like, huh, that was pretty good. I saw actually Last Crusade and the movie The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, like one day and then the other one the next day. And I, <laughs> and I remember both of them I was really psyched for because it was a new Indiana Jones and it was a new Terry Gilliam movie. And both of them I was like, that was good, you know, but it didn't rock my world. But then with both of those movies, every subsequent viewing that I had of it, I've developed more and more of an appreciation for both of them and really really like them and as like myself as far as indiana jones goes i think every entry in the whole series is a very strong entry are very strong movies and would be judged if they were all not indiana jones movies 
they'd probably be all judged a lot easier than Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. Just like if all the, the Star Wars prequel trilogy weren't Star Wars movies, people would be going crazy over them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, those are the greatest things since sliced bread, you know. They're definitely better than the Matrix movies as far as I'm concerned. Oh, right. Lord but, <laughs> but I'll uh, agree. I will agree. But, uh, you know, so... And I remember... And this one is, is more of a character study movie for for Indiana Jones. It's not really as much crazy action. He does get the shit beat out of him as usual. But it's a lot of about, you know, his interplay with him and his dad. And, and Marcus plays a, a good part in it, too. You know, you just sort of have these old, older, you know, characters who are aging. And, uh, you know, Indy's still in, in quote-unquote his prime or something. But, you know, he's he's traveling around with his dad which is kind of holding him back and uh you know help and you know Spielberg is a master of playing those relationships and putting in nice little touches of it and and this movie's full of those I th- uh, I think uh, they kind of overshadow the action Well of the of the Indiana Jones movies I've seen because I've not seen Crystal Skull yet uh Last Crusade is my absolute favorite and you hit on Amen Exactly Amen. why? Because his relationship with his father was what kept my ass in that seat. I mean, I like it. You know, he's fighting Nazis again. Yay! Yeah, Nazis. Nazis are great <laughs> villains. But that scene, I you know, you know, it, it was brought up before of making you cry. That scene where Sean Connery hugs him because he thought he yes. Died. Yeah, it's just it makes me cry every single time I see it. Just that 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 I thought I lost your boy. I was just like, oh god. But it's 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 fun. It's you know, Witty. Raiders is is great, but it's like they took everything they learned in Raiders and just did it bigger. In I mean, not that was one of the last movies I saw with my father. I mean, my you know my father's still alive and everything. It's just I was twenty one when uh, when. Last Crusade came out, and by that point, you know, was able to drive myself to the theater and all that. So, of course, it's the one that I've seen more in the theater than the rest of them. But I can remember I went back to see that movie over and over and over again because of the elements in it that spoke to me. And and the biggest one that spoke to me was the estranged father-son relationship and having gone through one of those myself – and then going to see that movie with my dad, you know, it's, you know, beyond just the film itself on its own merits. I mean, that that subtext and everything makes that one my not my favorite for the action in the story, but also my sentimental favorite. I, I love that movie. And you can't discount that it came out in the summer of 89, which is the best year for movies in the summer ever. I don't. I, I think 2008 almost came close. Okay, Batman, Ghostbusters 2, Star Trek 5, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mean, it was a gigantic year. It was a good nerd year. 
I'm trying to think of something to argue with that by. No, I, I think there were. I think there were some that were earlier in the '80s that that were just as big or just as good. But no, I mean that's a valid point. There were a lot of movies that year. It was a huge year for for nerd movies. But I think there were other years that that were just as big or just as you know. We, uh, like, but yeah, I'd, 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 have to, I'd have to do my homework and line up dates to argue <laughs> that point. There's, there's been a few good years in the last decade, you know. There's been a few times where I've been like, wow, this is a really good time for genre movies. But a lot of that has to do with internet stuff and, you know, seeing some, like, foreign crazy stuff that, that's come out. Like, a, a few years ago, that movie The Host, if anybody's ever seen The Host. No. Oh, it's great. It's basically sort of a Godzilla movie. It's Korean. And it is great. The reveal of the monster in that is worth Didn't the whole. Did you talk about that on your I was just going to say. I probably did. You, it's, it's, it, and, and I remember seeing that going, man, this is a happy, you know, this is like the greatest Godzilla movie sort of thing ever, you know, giant monster movie made in a long time. And there's some good vampire movies coming out. And stuff. A lot of it is foreign or whatever, but I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll have to do some research for. That's another whole show. Is like I, what I was will, the yeah. best movie summer ever? Oh, I, I will. I will definitely agree that that the eighties, though, as a decade, oh, was the we're... best geek decade ever. And oh. that just that goes even beyond movies. That goes for comics and the whole nine yards. I mean, the eighties <laughs> fucking ruled as far as geek stuff goes. No know? other no other decade gave us the Howard the Duck movie. <laughs> I like that movie, but I, I like that it movie. too. I oh, I have yes, yet to see God. it. I have yet to see it. Thank God, somebody else likes that film, and I don't have to feel like the leper at the family reunion. No, I, I did. <laughs> I enjoyed. It. I, I thought the beginning, man. Had Leah Thompson in her underwear. What is there not to like? I'm gonna have to go back and watch this one. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. You've never seen Howard the Duck. I have never seen Howard the Duck. I used to love Howard the, the Duck comics too. Yeah, why no, it's it nothing. Okay, comics. Watch it straight the first time, and then the second time, get stoned as fuck, and watch that movie. I might just skip to step two. <laughs> I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> What's his name? The the actor that was the principal in Ferris Bueller. Jeffrey oh, Jones. I, Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. Thank you. Um, he absolutely rules that movie as the Dark Overlord. It's fucking he's hysterical. Like, he's like John Lithgow in Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yes. okay. He is. He 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 walks in and just when he becomes the Dark Overlord, just kind of walks off with the film. And yes. you see Tim Robbins when he was about five. I know. <laughs> you know, it's like the sidekick. And it's just, it's nothing like the comics. If you're a purist about the comics, it's probably just going to end up pissing you off. Right. But as a goofy little attempt to do a, kind of be a, a family-friendly movie, uh-huh. except for the, the duck boob shot at the beginning of the film. <laughs> and Howard carrying a rubber <laughs> in his wallet, too, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Howard, but uh, but it's 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 just fun, and he he's the master of quack foo. <laughs> Oddly enough, Howard the Duck is somewhat on point since it was a George Lucas film. This right. is true. George no, Lucas but... sort of like 
crawled oh. under a rock, it seemed like, after that movie, I think, for a long time, at least as far as, like, putting his name on anything that was up and out there outside of Indiana That wasn't Jones. pre-established. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he did that, like, years later, he did that. He had produced, I think, it was, like, Manhattan Murder Mystery or something like that. Tucker, he did Tucker too. Oh, that's right, Tucker, a man in his dream. Tucker has a great. That's a good movie. I, I've never, never seen it. I've never I've seen it's it. Great, yeah. I should watch it with my dad all the time. That was um, that was um, Coppola directed it, didn't he? I can't recall. I'm, I'm pretty sure Francis Ford Coppola directed that in his phase where he was doing all these like really, really low budget for him. You know, sort of like um, what was it? Peggy Sue gets married. Oh, I love that like movie. That. And he was just sort of in this period Francis where he was cranking him out. Yeah. Joan Allen was in that. I forgot. So Christian you're right. It was Francis Ford Coppola directed that movie. You're right. I just looked it up real quick. Well, I'll just make a, a, a quick comment that before we get into the age of like. PC and and console, you know the 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 more modern console oh, games. I thought you meant political correctness at first. Oh no, yeah, me no, too. No. I, I thought you were going to say no, something. No, 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 no. Personal Fun. computers yes. and uh, and you know modern, you know semi modern console games. Um, I remember that there was uh, an uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade Sega Genesis game that absolutely fucking sucked. Do you guys really? remember that game? No. I do not. It, it was oh yeah. my god! It was I never awful. had a Sega Genesis. Oh, you did briefly when I lived with you because we played the shit out of some uh, NHL hockey. Oh, okay. I took it with me when I left. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, that's right. Now, yeah, going back to um, uh, to uh, Last Crusade. Uh, I'm gonna go on the uh, complete opposite uh, with Michael, and I'm gonna go ahead and say out of the out of the four, uh, that's probably my favorite. favorite. Yeah, uh, I feel. Yeah, um, I. Uh, but that's not to say that I hate it at all or dislike it. It's just my least favorite. I feel that it kind of mis misplays some of the characters. Like uh, like to- like totally Brody, Marcus Brody, and uh-huh. and in, in Raiders where um, you know they're talking about the arc with the two guys with Porkins and the other guy, uh, you know the way that that uh, Marcus is talking about the arc, you know he seems very well well spoken, he seems well educated, he's the dean of uh, um, Barnack College. Uh, I don't know if he was in Raiders. That he became the dean of Barnett College, and then in he wasn't in Temple, but in um, in Last Crusade they kind of flip it around and they make him a clown shoe. Yeah, he yeah. gets lost in his own museum. You know he can't. You know he can barely stay on his horse. He can't speak. You know he only speaks English or ancient Greek, I believe it was. Maybe maybe he was starting to get a little senile. Ah, uh, could be. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I, they did it just for that one gag where he's like, Marcus Brody's like a ghost. He's already disappeared and, you know, blended right in with the local scenery and and then <laughs> on to him bumbling through. I think maybe, yeah, I yeah I wonder, because in, in Raiders, 
he was like, you know, if I was five, if it was five years ago, I'd be going with you, you know. So yeah, like, so, so like it sounds like he's done something. it before. You know, it sounds like he's, it, it, you know, he sort of gives the impression that he's an older version of Indiana Jones, who's, you know, that he's not really, you know, just sort of an academic type that he might have done a bit of. He mm-hmm. even has the line in Raiders, you know, when when Indy's talking about leaving to go after the Ark, he even says, you know, something to the effect of, you know, ten years ago I might have gone after it myself. Right, right. So that's which, what I was which, saying. Yeah. You know, unless he's being completely overconfident and and ridiculous, which Indy doesn't like, roll his eyes or call him on at all. So it, you know, right. to me, he's validated in saying it. Then, yeah, that is kind of a changed premise that he went from somebody who felt confident enough to go after the Ark of the Covenant if he was just a younger man to somebody who's pretty inept. But I, mm-hmm. I think what it was was they, you know, for whatever reason, they felt like they needed the the comedy sidekick in there, and, and he just fit fit that role, you know, arguably better than any of the other um, three characters could have, or. or I, I, but I don't know. I mean, to a certain degree, um, Indy's father is already a, a comedic character in a lot of ways. So yeah, you've almost yeah. got two. A foil. Yeah. Well, Marcus is just sort of the bumbling Solo. one, and his dad's a foil to him, for sure. Right. They, they kind of made Sala a little more um, jolly in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he not, didn't have not, the, as near much of the a bad edge. Yeah, he didn't have near the edge, but he was still pretty. You know, he punches that dude right in the face. Yeah, he does. I <laughs> love John Rice Davy. He's a he's, he's so good. I always that get a kick out the him. phone book, and I and I'd freaking watch it. <laughs> I was talking to Scott the other day about maybe doing a podcast of us reading the phone book, but he doesn't have the confidence <laughs> that people would want to listen to it. You know what? You know. put that. You put that. You know. You guys make that podcast. Put it up, and I guarantee you that will be your most talk. <laughs> for oh, better, or yeah. for worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember that Choo Choo Freak show that we used to listen to? Yeah, they were great. So they put that reading read the fucking phone episode. book. <laughs> I haven't listened to those assholes since. Yeah. I, I say we just threaten to do it for a few years before we actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like, you know what? We're tired of these people. We don't want to do this anymore. Chris, get your phone book. Yeah. Well, it was like that guy. I can't remember his name on the gong show. It was like Fred or something. They'd be like, and now Fred. And he would come out and he'd have a banjo. And he'd go, going to play my banjo. Going to play it now. And the whole audience would go, what you going to do? Going to play my banjo. Going to play it now. What you going to do? Going to play my banjo. And then yep, by, the, by, by the time he would start to take one plink, gong, and he'd be gone. So he never played anything that he ever had. I love that show. You liked the Gong Show. I love. Oh, I love, love the Gong lo- Show. Gene, Gene, the Dancing Machine Gene, is like the closest Gene, thing. Gene, the Dancing Machine. I would about shit in my pants when I would hear that. It would be just like yes. Gene, Gene, the Dancing Machine is like as close as I come to religious ecstasy when when I see or hear when I hear that music and see the the. 
curtain fly open. This, this was back in the days before, you know, TiVo and, and be, before being able to download shit from the internet or being able to look up and, you know... And I wasn't even on search. drugs at, at that time and I still <laughs> loved the gun But you know show. what I mean? I mean, today you could, you could go online and in five minutes you could find out, okay... If the gong show was on today, I'd be able to go do a Google search and find out, okay, what's the next episode of the gong show that Gene Gene's going to be on? Okay, it's going to be three weeks from now. I'll be sure to watch it three no, weeks no. from now. No, no, but you see, but that's you the thing. Know, so you, you had yeah. to sit there every fucking time it was on praying that Gene Gene was going to be on because that's what you praying kept you watching. Praying you would hear, hear that bass for. line pop in. Yeah. And so when it would happen, you would just flip out because you had been watching it, waiting in you know in anticipation for that to happen. And when it finally happened, it was like, you know, you got your shit, your shot. You know, it was, and oh, the, yeah. and the crowd and the audience and stuff would go buzz. Everybody would just go berserk. Yeah, yeah, I yeah that show. Anybody who doubts the power of of the Gong Show has to watch the movie uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. The George, yeah, George, directed that. by George gonna... Clooney, but but it's written by the guy who wrote um, Being John Malkovich, and it is great. It's actually based on Chuck Barris's book about how he made the Gong Show, but he figured that story was kind of boring, so he mixed in that he was a double agent, you know, a secret agent assassin at the same time. <laughs> so it's awesome. It's just awesome. But you know, the the origin of Gene Gene the Dancing Machine and that is just. Wow. Anyway, boy, I wish I could do one of those old style coffee commercial type things where you go, we're we're switching Chris's normal energy drink with water because because we're talking about the fucking Gong Show in our Indiana Jones episode. Yeah. I just I need to point that out. Was that Tangent a tangent on top of the tangent? What's that? Was that a tangent on top of a tangent on top of another one? <laughs> yeah, it all started. It all started with a reading the phone book threat, oh and then onto that another off-topic from Indiana Jones. But yeah, Last Crusade. I wouldn't. I don't think it's. I. I. I'd have to say Raiders of the Lost Ark would have to be my favorite just because of its general perfection. But this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then I have a hard time after that rating any of the other ones because. They all, I all, you know, maybe even Temple of Doom would be a little higher because I just like that right off the bat. You know, I saw it in the theater and was just like, wow, this is great and watched it like, you know, went back and saw it like five times. Right. And, you know, Scott and I knew all the dialogue and everything. And then, and then. I knew the Willie, the Willie song. Yeah, you could Cantonese. sing, you could sing Anything Goes in Cantonese. And, uh, but by the time, um. Last Crusade came out. I was in college, you know, so it wasn't the same, you know, going to a movie, you know, it wasn't like Scott and I going to a movie and cutting up and stuff. It was just sort of like, hey, wrangling a ride over to the mall and stuff. And and I remember see, and seeing that and it was, you know, just I was older and stuff. But, the, you know, the last two movies have really grown on me. Mm-hmm. Largely due to Harrison Ford. He's just a great actor. And I'm very surprised because lately, like, you see publicity shots of him or you see him in other movies and he's starting to look really old and kind of shapeless and getting that old man body. Right. But he really pulled it together. He, I mean, he, 
in those last two movies, he looks like Indiana Jones. He pulls off the physical aspect of it. Oh, totally. And, um, I mean, there were people talking about when, um, Last Crusade, you know, came out that he was a little long on the tooth for that, but, yeah. Hell no! Yeah. I, I thought he looked, he, he was pretty much, he was pretty trim in, in, in Last Crusade. Yep. Now, when oh, he yeah. he appeared at the beginning of an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, he looked kind of old. Uh, I remember that being advertised pretty heavily that he was actually going to be, you know, he introduced an episode, basically. I've always but, wanted to see that, and I still, to this day, have never seen it, but I wanted either. to. Because he actually was bearded in that episode because yeah. he had grown his beard out for um, The Fugitive. Oh. You know, that, that film, The Fugitive. And uh, I, so I can remember seeing, I, uh, I think it was like a picture of him in TV Guide or something like that. And, uh, but I, I still have never seen it. I don't, I, somebody told me that that is cut from the... Um, the DVD the DVDs, yeah. That that you know the the young Indiana Jones Chronicles are out on DVD, Why? but that that is cut out of it. I don't know. I wonder if it's a rights thing or something. I, I don't know. Be. But man, that would be that would seem to be a really big incentive to get it. That's pretty cool. I've never seen yeah. any of the young Indiana Jones. I'd like to. I think the little kid the, ones. Uh, I think I heard that like all the intros like with with really 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 old indie. Um, you know, like in his office, grabbing a book, you know, stuff like that. Like the intros and the outros of really old indie, like all that's cut out too. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Now that you say that, I think I was wrong. Yeah, I think that's what I heard was cut out actually was the, the old indie parts got taken out. Huh. Yeah, I think that's I what it why. was. Maybe the, the, eye, the eye patch indie. Yeah. He had an eye patch. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he 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 was doing like the you know, he was like really, really old, like the very old um uh, professor mixed with like uh Nick Nick Fury type of thing because he had the eye patch oh, and all that. Awesome. Awesome. Maybe the I well I hear they're planning on making another one. I hear there's oh, yeah. talks of it. He's gotta it, they gotta do it quick, yeah. But yeah, maybe we'll, continuity. Maybe we'll maybe we'll find maybe we'll get an eye patch, an <laughs> eye injury. Ooh, I'm holding out for an eye injury. Because Harrison Ford, oh, he'll do it great. He's the master of just physical body language. I think. Yeah, that's, when he gets hurt in those films, it's pretty it damn hurts. obvious that he's in pain. He he knows right. how to co- you know sort of Shatner like except. Yeah, subtle. He knows how to coil up on the ground as if he's been really injured badly, and or, or, or even in Empire when he's about to be put on that torture device, and his face is just like he's oh, trying yeah. to hold it back. And it's yeah. just like, wow, there is a lot more going on in this scene yep. than this dude tortured. And and Scott, one of Scott's favorites, I know, is in Temple of Doom. You know where where isn't where he drinks the. Um, yeah, he, he the screams that he's doing in that part remind me a hell of a lot of Shatner. Yeah, uh, he's, he's totally doing this Shatner because huh. somebody primal, once called Shatner the, the the male Fay Ray, you know, <laughs> with with his ability to do the really good screams and stuff. But uh, I, I tell you what, uh, I would I would say that Harrison Ford's a close contender for yeah. that title. The, the screams he's got going on in uh, in Temple of Doom, great. Yeah. 
and and like you, you you know you can sort of tell that there's not a lot of stunt actors happening because you can see that Harrison Ford body language hell you can even see it in Temple of Doom in the very beginning when his hand is just going down the the handrail and that's all you see is his hand you know and like mm-hmm. a little bit of his arm just the way that he places his fingers on that it's pure Harrison Ford you know every little movement has this sort of physical style to it you know as Indiana mm-hmm. Jones especially so you know every you know it's like, it's like the way uh, to compare him to Shatner again the way Kirk would run into a scene you know and he would he would have this sort of stance that was very you know where you would if you saw the outline of somebody you would know it was Indiana Jones without the hat or whip or anything like that just by body language Mhm Indeed I love my energy drink <laughs> What you don't know is that we've secretly replaced that with Aquafina. Oh, uh, need to. We need to. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did you say Aquafina? Shit. I put Aqua Velva. <laughs> Damn it. I thought my oh, breath, breath was especially, <laughs> yeah, fresh and clean. It's musky. I'm catching a bit of a buzz off it, too, I think. It's sort of like a jailhouse, jailhouse buzz. That was quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, hey, we're just about reaching the hour mark. I say we take a little break, and then we just pick up where we left off in part two. Indiana Jones. (laughs) About time you showed up. Mom! Sweetheart. Mom. What are you doing here? Well, forget about me. Are you all right? No, Mom? man. I specifically told you not no, you didn't. to come Marian here yourself. You never wrote that? Mother. You never said that in any phone calls? Marion was... Ravenwood is your mother. Oh, for God's sake, Indy. It's not that hard. Uh, no, I mean, I just... I, yeah, I never thought... Yeah, that... I would have a life after you left. That's not what I meant. I, I meant. A damn good life. Well, that's fine. It's a just... damn good, really good life. Well, so have I. Yeah? You still leaving a trail of human wreckage? Or have you retired? Why, you looking for a date? With anybody but you. Hey, hey, we're back. We're going to go all night putting Scott Gardner in the hospital. <laughs> yes, <laughs> son of this one. So we're back. We're still time. We're going to just pick right up where we uh, left off. And we had a good story that was that we talked about earlier uh, off recording. Uh, about Off air. The, yeah, off air. Thank you. Thank you for the official turn. <laughs> About Indy's hat. Yeah, when um, it was after Temple of Doom came out, my dad bought an official Indiana Jones hat. It was at one of the really kind of it was at one of the like a Macy's uh-huh. or uh, or that kind of department store. And when you looked inside the the hat, it said Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And, and he had that, and it, and it was the exact fedora, dude. It was so awesome. And then he went out and bought himself... And my dad's not geeky at all. I mean, he watched Star Trek, but he always kind of gave me the sideways glance on every geek thing I got into. <laughs> but but he went out, and he got this brown leather jacket. And on, like, days uh, when... It, because He was the, the, the guy that ran the mill... 
that he worked at, when he would go in when it was snowing and he knew his guys weren't coming in, he'd actually go to work in the hat and the jacket and a tan shirt. And a whip? Uh, we did not have a whip. <laughs> See, Scott, but I, he didn't have... But I freaking loved that hat. He didn't He didn't have the, the exact hat or jacket or anything like that, but he had the bullwhip of the correct size. Still do. And still do. I got a couple of them, actually. <laughs> and we, yeah, we used to... We used to we used to practice on that bullwhip, boy. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get good? Scott yeah, got I, really I, good. Yeah, I did get good with it. I was I could yeah. crack it okay, but Scott was doing the you know Scott was doing the like hook it around a branch and crack it to his face from somebody's face and stuff like I that. I don't I know I could not do it today, but years ago I could actually um, knock the uh, the the pole. What do you call it? The off the the old Pepsi bottles, you know, the where you had to get oh, the, the can opener, tab? pop the not the pull tab, but the the, the you know where cap? you have to get the bottle cap. Thank you. I could snap the bottle cap off of a closed bottle of Pepsi. That that was that was probably my biggest oh, wow. feat that I could perform with it. But I'd, I'd be hard that's pressed not, to be able to do that not today. Not a bad feat. Yeah. Well, you know, a little practice, you know. But then your yeah, kids it, would be getting ideas if they saw you in the backyard. It'd probably all come back to me though. But yeah, uh, yeah. One of my uh, one of my very first purchases, the very first time I went to Disney as an adult, was I bought the official Indiana Jones hat from outside of the the Indiana Jones um, show that they've got there, and I, I still have it today. It's one of my one of my prized possess one of my prized geek possessions because I wore fedoras. A lot, you know, after you know, getting into India as a kid, but they were never like official fedoras. They were those cheap yeah, mall knockoffs right. that you would see. Yeah, they were never quite, you know, the the, the right looking thing. But yeah, I was thrilled to actually buy an official Indiana Jones fedora years later, and I, I love that thing. When the weather gets cold, I'll wear it out. I was so also about s- like two weeks out of the year then. Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, shut up. I was also saying there should be a fan film made. Just from the perspective of through all four indie movies of the hat, you know, just yeah. making its way <laughs> through all the all the movies and all its uh, all the adventures because it always makes it back to his head, no matter what. Kelsey why, Grammer, by the way, we were talking about who should Kelsey be the voice Grammer, of the, hat. the voice of the hat. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer, you're right. Wow, you're good, man. That's Yoda. You should be pitching shit out in Hollywood, man. <laughs> Well, that that's a good that's a good geeky question right there. Is I've always wondered: Are we supposed to assume that it is the same hat from oh, yeah. beginning to end? And I don't think so because there. Well, of course, this I don't know how canon this would be. I'd have to read the reread the novelization, but I know that in the Marvel Comics adaptation of Raiders, which is kind of shit. You know, just I want to go officially on record as saying I never was really happy with the art in, in that. I yeah. forget who the artist is off the top of my head, but it was pretty lousy. It's pretty cheesy. I have a couple of those, and they are pretty bad. Do you know who it is? Is it? I want to say it's one of the Buscemas, but I honestly can't remember. Who did the, um, I, the Indiana Jones one? Yeah, but it's it's rough. Whoever it is, I, I think what it was is I think the artist was eh, 
But then whoever they got to ink it, I'm saying, I'm thinking it might have been Klaus Janssen just didn't fit the the art the style of the of the artist. So it you know it was like if it, it was Klaus Janssen, I like Klaus Janssen, and he's not right for Indiana Jones. No, no, I, yeah, I like him too, but yeah, he wasn't right for this particular project. But uh, but there's a moment. It's the moment where where Indy, and this is one of the scenes that's actually cut from Raiders. And it's the scene where Indy jumps off the ship, off of uh, Katanga's boat, swims out to the U-boat, and then lashes himself to the periscope and, and is basically dragged all the way to the Nazi island, you know, the Nazi base. Well, there's a comment where he wakes up at some point. He falls asleep during that sequence, and he wakes up, and he comments about seeing shark fins or something like that. And then he even says, I think I lost my hat for good or something to that effect. So... It, at least in that, uh, you're yeah. led to believe that when he dove overboard off the ship that he was wearing his hat, which he's, he does not have in his head when he comes up, you know, on the U-boat. So he's always Good thinking. memory, Scott. It was John Buscema and Klaus Janssen ah. for the, the penciler and inker. Very yeah, he's good. like a steel trap. He's Mr. Continuity. <laughs> well, I just, I mean, I read it so many times and every, I think every time they reprinted it I, I believe I bought it because they reprinted it a number you know same with, with Star Wars every time they'd mm-hmm. reprint Star Wars I'd buy it again and yeah. same thing with Marvel Raiders. Movie Spotlight featuring yep, exactly. Raiders yep. Lost Ark beautiful covers on those yeah really nice stuff and that's you know I, I wanted to retouch briefly on the further adventures of Indiana Jones I'm going to stand by what I said before about the John Byrne stuff being the only stuff that's worth buying you know to read However, there are some beautiful covers to the issues of that series. Later on, a lot of them were by Michael Golden. And I would say buy them for the covers, if nothing else, because the covers were absolutely gorgeous on a lot of the later issues. It's just if you, if you buy them you know, because you're an indie fan, just don't expect a lot out of them. The stories really aren't that good. Most of the interior art in the later issues really sucks. And the stories are just kind of stupid. The art but... seemed really hurried after John Byrne did it. And even John Byrne's art was, seemed a little hurried, you know. It Ooh, wasn't... I will totally disagree. Ooh, after no, the, especially after the first... Yeah. The, like, the first one was like this gorgeously rendered, incredible kaboom, here it comes. And then after that, it just... I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying... It just sort of, it didn't seem like that it was a more spare sort of John Byrne with less of that blocky detail. I wonder if, if maybe, maybe, maybe Austin. Maybe I have to read him again, but. Yeah, so I was just going to say, maybe I, to be fair, maybe I need to read him again because it's been a hell of a long time. But, you know, now that you say that, I kind of wonder if maybe it was Byrne and Austin on the first issue, and maybe they switched anchors after it, that. It very so maybe, well could have been be that. Right. You could be right. You could be very I, well right. I just remember the first one was like, kabam, this is awesome. It's here. To, it's John Byrne. It's Indiana Jones. They got the, you know, the A team working on an A type story, and and the right. story and the story was really good. And yeah, from that, and then after once Burn was gone, the art was just very generic, right? You know, and, and simple, and just sort of blah. But there were a couple issues. I mean, because there, uh, Howard Chaikin stepped in briefly and did uh-huh. a little bit, which was pretty good. And then I remember I'm, I could be wrong, so don't hold me to this. 
Absolutely, but I want to say it was Kerry Gamble was the artist on an, on a story where he was looking for like this mythical fourth nail that was supposed to be used at Christ's crucifixion. Cross, yeah. And it was a damn good story. I really liked it and the art was really good and and it was it had a very strong Raiders parallel at the end of the story right. on basically what happens to the Nazis and it was really cool. That was it was one of the few stories I can remember that was on par with the with how the series kicked off, but for the most part, most of it was just it what happened was it, it just fell into a formula. You know, every new arc was he was going after something new and some of the ones that he was going after were really goofy. Like he went after like Buffalo Bill's guns at one point or some stupid thing like that. But you know, every time it was, he was going after something that had some sort of mystical thing. He totally didn't believe it at the end. It would kill all the Nazis or whatever. And then he, he was like, well, maybe there actually was something to the power of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Jesus, you know, how many times can you tell this same story? You know, they do it in every movie. Yeah, well, they they sort of do, but but the movies still each movie has a completely different feel com- according to the time period it's in, which totally brings me to mind the Crystal Skull, because right. that was in the you know all of a sudden it's in the fifties, and uh, you know the the communist paranoia and the and the the villains are communist Russians, mm-hmm. but you know there's actually even a scene in there of you know where India is being scrutinized. And they're being, you know, even when somebody vouches for him and says, hey, I can say this guy's, you know, true blue American, they're just like, yeah, well, we'll be the judge of that, you know. I had right. a quick comment on that. Um, I watched, rewatched the movie again today, and it was my third time watching it. And I think that I, I definitely got a bit of that third, third time's the charm thing going on this time, because this time around, I dug it a lot more than I did the first two times I watched it. But then I watched, you know, the, the version I've got really doesn't have much for extras, but it does have a brief little documentary. It was something like The the Legend Returns or something like that. Yeah. And it was right. this short little featurette with, uh, you know, the stars, but it was mostly talking to Steven Spielberg, and then there was a little bit with George Lucas. And what I walked away from that at the end feeling was that the, a little bit of the wrong blame had been put on the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And, and the two that struck me were that Steven Spielberg is now taking more of the blame in my mind than George Lucas should. Because for one thing, he talks an awful lot about all of his misgivings with this movie and all the reasons he didn't want to do another indie movie, all the reasons why he didn't want to have aliens in it and all this stuff. And in the long run, what I walked away feeling was, dude, you should have stuck with your instincts and stayed away from this project. If you felt that bad about it and, and you really weren't into it from the beginning and you made all these changes to it to try to fit and make it something that you did feel like doing – I think those changes are ultimately what hurt the movie. And now I feel really bad that originally I and so many of the indie fans that weren't happy with that movie placed the blame almost completely on George Lucas. Because well, you're used to doing right. that lately. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. I, I no, mean, I don't, but in I, general. I right, in general. Yeah, you're absolutely right with the prequel trilogy. But, you know, listening to George Lucas, the the bit of blame that I will put on him is that Dude, you had an excellent idea. You had a great premise and a great idea, and you basically let other people bully you 
and talk you out of it. And and the one thing I wish he, or actually two things I wish he'd stuck with, is that he wanted this to be Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. I wish, like, to God they had stuck to that title. Ooh, that would have been a great title, yeah. Yes. And also, I wish that they had stuck, he had stuck to his guns and not let him, uh, not let Spielberg talk him out of these being aliens. Because he was sticking to his guns almost right up to shooting time that these were extraterrestrials. And he let Spielberg ultimately talk him out of it. And that's why it was changed to interdimensional beings, which is my major fucking beef with that movie. I I, I I felt like it's a major cop out. I guess interdimensional and, beings are still extraterrestrial. No, they're not. No, they're, it's bullshit, man. It, it was oh, a that's cop right, they're out. from the spaces between spaces. Right. Well, I mean, it's a cop out to to keep people from going. Oh, Jesus, aliens, really? And and while you still can having tell, being able to have the flying saucer and everything. Right, but you can tell in the interview that that Lucas himself feels the same way the fans felt, which was. Jesus, call a spade a spade. They're either aliens or they're not. And that's how I walked away from that movie thinking I was really digging it. And I, I and everything that, that Lucas was going for, the, the 50s B-movie, sci-fi movie feel, I totally was feeling that You know, with this movie. That's one of the, the things I loved most about it was I got that that's what they were going for. But by by letting himself be talked out of them being true extraterrestrials right out of a 50s B movie, that was what kind of took me out of it, you know, in it. I I felt like it was a major cop out, like like they got this close and and then throw that modern idea of aliens into it. You got to back off because people aren't going to like Indiana Jones dealing with aliens. And I thought you're 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 in for a penny, in for a pound at this point. You know, can go. And do it. He's you know? dealt with two Christian items, you know, the, of supernatural origin, and and Kali, and you know, I mean, obviously supernatural things happened in both of those movies that were well beyond <laughs> that. So why not aliens? Or, right, and that was know, my point. Or yeah, yeah the pe- people who got pissed whether it would have been aliens or interdimensional beings. Why not? You know, why is that? I find interdimensional beings or aliens actually a little more plausible than the Ark, what happens with the Ark of the Covenant and the Grail and Kali. <laughs> so, you know, right? it's actually, I think that premise is actually more possible by some small degree or whatever, but, you, you know, I, I don't know. I really, I really, really, really liked this movie. I, I, I really liked it when I first saw it, and then I was like, well... It could have been better, but every time I've seen it subsequently, I've enjoyed it more, mostly as the other ones due to Harrison Ford and his portrayal of Indy in it. It's- now that I, you know, I've warmed to it, the, the the only sticking point that remains, you know, to me is that I, I don't know if it's a matter of I don't think it's age or anything. I don't know what it is exactly, but it's got a lot of cheese factor in some of the some of the scenes, especially when they're trying to be funny, are clunky to me. They're really, really awkward and clunky. And I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't want to say it's badly acted, but it's almost like it's badly acted. Like it's been rehearsed one too many times to right. where 
the the whatever edge right. it was supposed like to have Mutt's is off of it. Dipping his comb in the in the soda and stealing the beer, and Indy puts the beer back. Oh, I, no, I, I like that. No, what I'm talking more about is like, well, the the I think the most cringeworthy scene in the entire movie is when Indy and Marion are sinking in the in the whatever that oh. is. Yeah, and the... their delivery between the two of them is so flat, so forced, and so fucking fake that I just cringe through that whole scene because, you know, she's trying to tell him about, you know, that he's your son and he and Indy's like, yeah, he's a good kid. You know, you, you should make him go back to school. And, and he, he's so flat in the delivery. And it just gives me the impression that they have rehearsed this scene a million times to where... They just can't it's do lost it. some of its life. Yeah, yeah, it has no no natural flow to it at all. And and a lot of the comedic parts of that movie feel that way. They're they're very flatly delivered, and it, and it's got a little bit of that that prequel it, not acted very well feel to it. You know. It, well, but there's also some parts like when he first sees Marion, and she's like still leaving behind, you know, a trail of human wreckage, and he goes, "Why do you want?" And he's pissed. Why do you want a date? That was awesome indie mo- pissed off moment, you know, and it was totally recalled the interplay between him and Marion, you know. Right. So, so you know, there were, yeah, there were some clunkers, but there were some also just awesomely delivered. And, and there were some also, I, I thought the gag with the, the Russians hitting the, the statue of Marcus and it falling right in, his head falling right into his lap. <laughs> and then Mutt sort of laughing, and Indy just gives him this look of like that's not funny at all. I felt like that was a callback to the same type of scene between Indy and his father in totally. Last Crusade. Yep. Right. There's the same moment where where Indy jabs the the stick into that Nazi spokes, and the guy flips, and Indy's laughing his ass off. He looks at his father, and his father's giving him that exact same look yeah. of that's yeah. not funny. Yeah, I love that. You see, and I think a lot of people didn't like Shia LaBeouf, but I thought he really, uh, he did seem like a young indie. He had a lot of the same, he was nuanced, you know, he wasn't just, um, and, and, the, and I didn't like his character as much the first time I saw it, but the more I've watched it, I've seen a lot of like, maybe I have to watch some more young Indiana Jones to see. Whoa. What won me over with him was, uh, I think, what, well, one thing that helped right out of the shoot is, you know, everybody made such a big fucking deal about this Shia, Shia kid being attached to this movie. I had no idea who he was going into this movie. I'd never heard of him before. Uh-huh. So that helped a lot that I had absolutely no preconceptions of him whatsoever. But when he comes riding out of the steam cloud on that Harley or whatever that bike is, you know, he comes riding out on the side of the train and you see him for the first time, I instantly got what they were going for. This was Marlon Brando from that biker picture right, back in right. the 50s. And I was like, okay, I get it. And it worked for me. And I, I totally bought his character. So, yeah, I, I liked him. And- well, he's he was brash and impulsive, but at the same time, he was also very intelligent and thoughtful. And, right, and, right. Uh, you know, very human, very much like his dad, you know, he... he, he it, it really worked without being cheesy, and I think that's mm-hmm. a, Spielberg's very good with with stuff like that. And there's all the sorts of parallels with, you know, he and he and Harrison Ford that are parallels to Harrison Ford, and Sean Connery. I'm so glad that they went with that angle rather than the original idea that somebody I'm not sure if it was Lucas or Spielberg, but somebody's original idea was for him to be a complete uh, nerdy dork, you know, like like. 
you know, like Indy's the action hero and his son was going to be this totally yeah. inept, you know, nerdy type. And I'm glad they didn't go with that because I can't remember where exactly at the moment. Well, we've seen that before. And and that's kind of a cliche in my mind, you know, to to where the the, the son can't possibly live up to the legend of the father right. kind of thing. I just didn't want to see that again. So I'm glad they didn't go with that. But also they mentioned that George's original idea and Spielberg shot it down was that uh, it was a daughter and not yeah. a son. Oh. And I can't. I can't help but wonder if the reason Spielberg shot that down was because of Laura Croft. Oh, I don't know. I think that's an actually an intriguing idea. You know that I, I it would it would be it would be neat to see an Indiana Joan. <laughs> <laughs> but and another thing about this movie is I think it has one of the strongest opening action sequences. You know, set pieces. Of all of them. And I know a lot of people hate the whole, you know, surviving the nuclear explosion. I like that. In, in, a, in, a, in a refrigerator. But I, I like that, too. I like that the, it was a, just a classic, grueling, and interesting, and moving, you know, moving along, fast-paced Indiana Jones. My opener. only problem with that scene... But see, I, I I know why they did it. But my only problem with that scene, I like that scene. I like him surviving the blast in a refrigerator because it shows his resourcefulness. Because yeah. I can remember watching that in the theater and going, "My How's God, if this, this if this was me, I'd be fucked." Because I would not have thought. But my thought was, and and you can see him do the same thing as he goes to the fireplace. That was yeah. my first thought: is get in the fireplace. It's exactly how I experienced it myself. Right. And then when he gets in the refrigerator, I was like, damn, that's a good idea. My only problem with that part, and I think this possibly could owe into why that, you know, other people don't like it. And that term, you know, nuking the fridge has come along to be synonymous with jumping the shark. Oh, God. Is because <laughs> when, when, the, when the fridge gets nuked, then we see it flying for like miles through the sky. It slams down to the ground and bounces and flips and everything. I mean, this is a 67-year-old guy who would be fucking mush inside that refrigerator, right? But I understand why they did that because then it that lent itself to giving us my favorite shot of the entire movie, which is Indy walking up and we get that great shadow of oh, Indy yeah. just like out of Raiders oh, where we yes. see the nuclear cloud in the background. That shot is yeah. fucking gorgeous. That's, and we and, would and, not have got that if he had stayed in the debris of the house that the refrigerator was in or something like that. Yeah. You know, if the, the refrigerator had simply just been blasted where it was but never flown through the sky and all that, we wouldn't have got that shot. So, and that shot also has a great classic John Williams swell yes. soundtrack to it. And I and seeing that on the big screen, it was just like, here is a condensed classic Indiana Jones moment, you know, bum, 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 and that cloud looked evil, <laughs> evil, and he's just and, his, and once again his body language, just standing there looking at it, it was just you could almost feel the heat of it coming off the screen. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that whole beginning sequence actually like is one of the first movies it's a sequel to something that i love that i saw in the theater that actually got me going it had me wondering how he was going to survive that it had the beginning part when he's trying to fight you know using you know all his methods to find 
the box that they're looking for. I just love that part. It was classic, classic Indiana Jones and the scene where he's in the up on the in one truck and they're on a collision course and um you know he's like don't get don't get frisky you know you don't know boris, this guy yeah yeah boris you don't know him you don't know and and watching that in the theater it's just like oh yes he doesn't know him <laughs> <laughs> i know what's gonna happen here and it's just awesome because in that first moment when you see harrison ford get tossed out of the car that's when everybody's wondering, okay, how's he going to do this? Because he's grandpa now, you know? Right. So, you know, how's grandpa going to pull this off? So it's right in that first 10 minutes that you have to be convinced that Indy's going Indy's gonna to be able to pull off this shit that, you know, by de facto that Harrison Ford has to pull it off. Mm-hmm. So, and he does it. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it doesn't look like... Like sort of when Sean Connery and Roger Moore were getting long in the tooth and and their stunts sort of slowed down a little bit. Right. You know, and it was sort of more like a special <laughs> effect with them reacting and stuff. No, this was Indiana Jones getting the shit pounded out of him and, and you know, running full speed to avoid bullets, you know, and hunching that's, and that's ducking. A good, that's a good comparison between him and James Bond because I can remember A View to a Kill – and there's the part toward the very beginning of the movie on the Eiffel Tower where um, Bond is getting the shit kicked out of him. And I can remember watching that in the theater cringing, thinking, oh, no you're beating up an old man, yeah. you know? And, and there <laughs> were a couple moments of that in this, but for the most part, yeah, I, I bought him holding his own against these much younger and beefier guys, you know, beating the hell out of him. So, yeah. It's like I had, um, what we had talked before uh, a few weeks ago. And um, and I was talking about how I completely bought um, Harrison in this movie when I saw it um, when I saw it at the drive-in because this is my first experience seeing um, Indy on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into it open-minded. You know, maybe he's got it, maybe he doesn't, and you know, he's going to rely heavily on his stuntman to get him through all this stuff. But um, when you watch that, uh, the Return of the Legend or whatever that. Um, little behind the scenes thing is on uh, on Crystal Skull and you see Harrison you know he's suspended by wires and he's doing the, the swinging on on the whip thing right. that's him it, it's not like his face superimposed on the stuntman's body using like digital stuff it's him doing it if he can do it he will you right. know and you know he's doing he's doing his um his whip uh, swing and I brought this up again um, again I brought this up before uh, when they pull him out of the trunk and they grab him and they throw him on the ground. Right. His body language in that is the same as in Empire when after he's done being tortured they throw him into the um into the cell with Leia and Chewie. Right. You know, so you can you know, you can almost tell that, you know, that was Harrison doing that stuff yeah. too, and it wasn't just somebody going Okay, just you know, just fall on the ground when they when they toss you. You know, he had right. his arms up, his arms up in that position, going down to his knees and then down to the ground. Yeah, his his body like the the scene with the ants, where they're where they're fight. He's fighting the you know the requisite you know humongous guy, and, right? Uh, and the guy just puts him down and I think gives him like two or three kidney punches, 
and he's just he's backing up to get at that log to hit him in the head but at the same time he's got one hand held up just like no no more no more and it's like shaking and you know he's totally playing a little he's hurt but he's playing himself a little more hurt and you know merciful and buying himself some time while luring the guy in closer so he can whack him with the stick and that was completely full Harrison Ford right you know goodness that that whole fight is great he's still good at throwing and taking the punches and making it look like they're really hitting him and leaving bruises yeah, both yeah times I, that he fights uh, that he fights that Russian guy once at uh, area 51 and yeah. that um, by the ants you know he, he sells it so well yeah I can't remember if I've if I've talked about this in an episode or not, but I, I just want to go on record as saying, you know, any of my problems and any of my beefs with this movie have nothing at all to do with Harrison Ford having aged. You know, I mean, for one thing, there's right. not a goddamn thing he could do about it, but also, I don't think it's a factor in this movie. I really don't. You know, I, I think that, you know, he, like you say, you know, he did, he did as many of his own stunts as he possibly could. And, you know, he still looks 20-some years my senior like he could kick my ass. And so I respect that, absolutely. And I thought he did a great job. So none of, none of him is my problem with the movie. It's, it's really all technical issues for the yeah, most right. part. I mean, there wasn't uh, – I was really afraid. That there's a couple scenes that look canned, you know, in that George Lucas on a soundstage style. Right, but there's only a couple of them, and, and the CG, like the CG monkeys and ants, really didn't bother me at all. As a matter of fact, I thought they were both cool. The ants cooler than the monkeys. The monkeys were cool enough not to be painful for me. Right, but uh, but I thought they were also very, you know, I mean, I was talking with my friend Mark about this yesterday, and he was like, if you complain about anything being ridiculous in an Indiana Jones movie, you know, what are we talking about? It's been an all movies there's been something something happens it's just over the top ridiculous that nobody should survive you right know, this one they go over three waterfalls you know yeah. subsequently and it's just it's goddamn ridiculous it's it's getting to be goddamn ridiculous <laughs> but that's that's sort of what you've come to expect from right it, you know and it's 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 sort of familiar and I think Marion, I think she was one of the weaker act, acting jobs, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Has she been doing movies much? Well, in the see, intro? you brought that up before, and I think it's an excellent point that she is my main complaint with this movie. I, I almost wish that they'd left her the hell out of it. I really do. Mm -hmm. And I know that's very harsh. But, you know, you, you said this a long time ago when we talked about this movie, and I completely agree, which is that she's been out of the fucking loop for 20 years, you know, and, and they brought her back in for whatever, nostalgia value or whatever. And I, frankly, I think she was just damn rusty because rusty most any, stops. yeah, <laughs> most any scene with her in it is clunky to me and, and it's her delivery. It's, uh -huh. it's a lot of things with, to do with her. And, I mean, I don't mean to be overly harsh about it, but I, that's just how I feel. I, I think that she just didn't age well acting-wise. A lot of people complained about the, the Russian dominatrix, but I thought she was pretty good. She wasn't super well-rounded, but she was, she was a good character. And Mac was a, Mac was a decent character. Mm -hmm. like, no, so he was no Sala, but... <laughs> I thought he was ultimately kind of pointless, though. I didn't ever get exactly what what he was there for 
You know he what was, I mean? He was there to keep the Russians on Indy's tail. Because there's several points where they could, you know, especially when they go over the falls and, you know, find yeah. the city of gold and, and Max lit, laying down, you know, tracers. Right. So, so it, it helped progress the storyline, you know, in, mm-hmm. in some ways. And it and it kept you guessing as to what his loyalty was, although it pretty much was pretty apparent that he was just going to screw Indy as many times as he could. And that's so. What um, other uh, what other notes we got on this one? On this one, I don't have a whole lot of. Damn! I really need to see this film. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's that's a right. One note. <laughs> see how see how I'm anxious to bring everybody back in because because now it's turning into to Michael and and Josh listen to a true true freaks episode. So I, I yeah, but at this up. point, but the great thing is is that instead of how it usually happens, I can actually talk to you. Instead right. of talking, yeah. talking but you're not me. talking. That's what I'm saying. So we need to. We got this live, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I thought uh, usually our people when they're talking to their podcast of us going, "Oh, shut up! Oh, oh God, shut up!" Talking about and listen, these fucking idiots. No, ah. the, the only note I have really uh, in listening to you guys talk about the film, having not seen it, is that did Shia LaBeouf do like a lot of hardcore stunts in the film? Like he had to like move and fight. And... He had to fight. Yeah. He had to sword fight in it. He was okay. an accomplished a ner- sword fighter. A, a nerd wouldn't know how to do that. Oh yeah, he's not right, very right. nerdy. He's he's a no, greaser right. basically. Yeah. But that was my point: yeah. is that they, you know, yeah. they originally were going to have him be a nerd, and the action would have been a whole lot harder to sell. Yeah, the nerd would have been like been Billy Scott. Way. He would have right. been someone to protect and to to get to be in danger and would have a big scene where he did learn to do something violent, like punched out a bad guy or something. And he's like, Hey, not bad. You know, yeah, you might have some hope. There, there would be, there would be some scene to that effect. You know, it would just almost have to be by the laws of modern cinema. But <laughs> I, and, and I was kind of like, Oh, I don't want Indy's son to be a greaser, but he would be at that point. And, and he was, yeah, if he was cool at that time in, in in history, in American history, then he would have had to be a greaser to be well, to he, be cool. Yeah, it's that that's the word right there that that just gave me what I was put my finger on what I was trying to think of is he was a greaser, which is cool, and that's sort of in our culture we look back at it as you know, hey, cool, the Fonz, blah blah right. blah. But he is portrayed in this as wanting to be cool, so it's all posturing and. And it's one of my favorite lines is when Harrison Ford says, you know, hey, look, kid, you don't have to get sore all the time to prove that you're tough, you know. Right. right. And and I love that, actually, that they use the word sore because too many movies set in periods have, like, modern anachronistic right. phrases in it and stuff. And that's sort of an awkward phrase for someone to say sore now, but it was completely what he would say in that time period and it was, right. I thought it was just a great line and well delivered and yeah and he's really just like a teenager trying to be cool and he comes off as that too you know yeah he even says that um, in the in that documentary you know that's exactly what he was going for is you know man child you know where where he was man really child. A, you know really a boy trying to be a man and, yeah. and be cool you know at it at the same time so yeah, that's that's cool that you say that because that's you know according to the actor that's what he was going for. 
And I will, well, I, I will say this about Shia LaBeouf. Okay, I am no Shia LaBeouf fan. I, I, you know, I couldn't give a shit about anything else that he's ever done. Uh, I saw him in this movie, and I thought, you know, when I saw it, I heard that he was going to be in it, and I was just like, Jesus Christ, why? Yeah. What was his but, big claim to fame that had everybody so worked up? But that Transformers. Uh, it was holes. Transformers. He was in a, a Disney um, teen Steven show called Stevens. Steven Stevens. Now, Transformers and, uh, came out before this did? I don't remember Yeah, year before. Yeah, 2007. Oh, okay, see, I must have seen Transformers way after it came out then, because I saw Transformers well after this movie, so I... Alright, I thought there was something else that he was famous for before He that. became kind of the it guy for a long time after Transformers, yeah. because he was rather good at Transformers, as crappy as that movie is. Yeah. It's a, he did, uh, you he know, sold his he sold his role in... Josh, you were making a point about how you were... But he, he, I, he sold me. Um, I didn't, you know, after watching the movie and getting into this movie, it's just like Shia who... I didn't, I didn't see some, uh, Shia trying to play a character in this movie. I saw Mutt Williams. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I could, you know, you can chalk that up to his, um, his acting ability. Absolutely. I don't, I, don't, I don't like the guy, but I'll watch well, him. Well, it's like, it's like yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. When he first right. started coming out... I was like, man, but you know, he's a, he's a really good actor. And, and yes. Actually, his first role when he was playing, you know, a retarded kid. And in uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? In Gilbert Grape, the the uh, movie after that that he was in, I think it was The Basketball Diaries. My girlfriend at the time, who was very actually very intelligent, was so sold by his performance in Gilbert Grape that she's like, "Wow, how did they get this this guy?" to act so well in this movie and I'm like because he was acting in the last movie too and she's like right. I thought he was just like a slightly retarded kid who was playing a more you know severely retarded kid and I'm like no he's actually you know he's not <laughs> retarded at all I'd love to see somebody think the same thing about Tom Hanks between like Forrest Gump and <laughs> Apollo 13 how the hell did they get Forrest Gump to, to fly, yeah, exactly. a, fly a mission to the moon he had the same haircut. That's the funny part. <laughs> Tom Hanks says something's been up with his haircuts, especially for those last two Da Vinci Code type oh. movies. Something's up with him. Maybe some plug things most, going on. The yeah. most annoying goddamn movie ever. Jesus. I, the Da Vinci Code? I, I wasn't going to watch I'll it. I'll give you that on the second one. I kind of like the first one, having no attachment whatsoever. I mean, I went because my wife wanted to see it. She was big into the novels and all that. I kind of dug the, books the first. Are fun. But that second movie, oh my God, did that movie. I heard it was a convoluted mess. Uh, no, it was not at all. But the problem is, and I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but you know, if you've seen the movie, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about, is the big switcheroo that they play at the very end. I was so digging that movie and what was going on with Ewan McGregor. And then, and then they they lay out what's really going on, supposedly, and I was like, oh, this uh, fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> just totally jumped the shark. Because it was <laughs> awesome. I mean, they're, they're, it, it's so hard to talk about it without spoiling it, but the, the movie just simply should have fucking ended at this one part where it was all you know, on an upbeat, and it was heroic, and this great moment happened, and it was so cool. And I was like, wow, this movie's really, really good. But then it continues for like another 20 to 30 minutes and totally fucking undoes everything that it, that it had just done 
that was awesome and and it had this totally idiotic reveal of what was really going on and who the bad guy really was and i was like this is the worst fucking movie i've seen this year and it was i was so pissed off and for you michael there was there was another uh mangling of english with undoes <laughs> so that's one, Shut up. One, one mark for me and one mark <laughs> for Scott. all right it's late okay <laughs> i had like three hours of sleep today give me a break but uh yeah back to indiana jones back to indiana jones i want to talk uh in, in the little time we have left there's so much I guess you could sort of kind of, using a Star Wars analogy, you could kind of call it the expanded universe for Indiana Jones. There's a lot of stuff out there now. There's, you know, there's whole novels and all these different things. I'm just wondering what, what's everybody's thoughts on this? What what exposure have you had? You know, I've never to, read to any of things. the novels. I, I, I remember reading a couple of the, quote-unquote, reading a couple of the Choose Your Own Adventure yeah. books that I think Scott had. I, I still have uh, – I think I have the ones I had. They, they were okay. I mean I, at one point when they started first started coming out, just because it was Indiana Jones, it was something new Indiana Jones. I started buying them up, and very quickly I quit because they were, they were kind of silly. I mean they were, they were choose-your-own-adventure books, which you know, aren't terribly great literature. But then the novels started to come out, and it, these are one of those things – it's one of those one-of-these-days kind of things for me where I would eventually like to read some of them because there's so many out that sound really, really good. You know, like the one where he goes after the the other arc, you know, Noah's Ark, and then there's one where he goes to the Lost World and stuff like that. I'd love to read those, but what put me off them was the very first one out of the gate, which was the Oracle at Delphi sucked. I mean, it was horrible. And I don't even think I finished it. Um, if, if I did, I don't remember finishing. But, I mean, it was just really, really, really bad. But, you know, I mean, they've gone on to have an entire series of those. So, you know, if I could ever pick them up, like, dirt cheap, I, I'd, I'd give them a try again just to see. I think I PM'd you um, a few weeks back, and I was just like, I was, um, I was searching Amazon, and they got them for like a penny. And I oh, don't know wow. why I haven't, and I don't know why I haven't gotten them yet. So I'm I'm probably gonna you know splurge and spend ten cents and get like ten of these books, and hopefully would, you know, they gotta be worth a penny. I would like to think that if there's that many of them out there, that they must have gotten better. But you know that's 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 a tricky thing to suppose because. You know, yeah, look how many all those Star so, Trek books. Yeah, I was just going to say there's so many of them. I was just going to say that exact thing. There's a million friggin' Star Trek books out there. Yet there's a hell of a lot of them that suck. So you know, it. I, I think a lot of that you, you can chalk up to just how rabid the fan base is, and that they'll buy anything no matter if it's shit or not. So, but I don't know. Like I say, if I if I get the chance, I would like to try. You know, I'll give it one more shot with one that's a little bit more. You know, maybe that's part of the problem with that Delphi book is I could honestly give two shits about the Oracle at Delphi. It just doesn't interest me at all. I'd much rather see him go, you know, find Noah's Ark or, you know, dinosaur eggs or something, you know. So, you know, I yeah, need to try those I books. hear that, you know, he's like, you know, he's gone after Excalibur and he's gone after the Fountain of Youth and, and things like that. And that stuff kind of interests me. And I hope that they, like, visit that in the next in the next indie movie that I hear is um, in rumbling or well, at yeah. least, you know, you've cock teased us for three movies. Give us the arc back. Right. But you know, it's, um, 
I don't know. It's just I keep hearing how bad the uh, the, the expanded uh, universe of these books are, and it's just like how can how can you not, you know? And I don't want to presuppose that people are sucking at. It. I don't want to discredit anybody's work, but like you had said earlier, Scott, it's kind of formulaic the way that Indiana Jones works. You know, he somebody's like, you need to go after this, and he's like, I know of it. I don't really believe in it. Uh-huh. He goes after it, gets it, loses it, gets it, um, the artifact, kills the people that it's going at, that stole it from Indy. Indy gets it back, believes in its power, right, and gives it and gives it back to the people who who need it, right. You know, I mean, like I'm not going to try to tackle that because I don't want to be you know one of the many people that. Are authors that people talk shit about. It's just like, oh my god, you read this indie book, it blows. But well, you know, also when you think about it, other than Raiders, in the long run, I don't see how indie could have that great of a reputation because Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and then this last one. Ultimately, he winds up empty-handed in all three of those yeah. movies. This <laughs> is true. You know, Raiders is the only one where he actually accomplishes, you know, what he set out to do, which is recover the Ark. And well, then it's ironically stashed away in a warehouse, you know. And, right. and at the beginning of it, you know, he's and he says to Marcus, and it'll be given to the museum, right? And, and Marcus just sort of does a little brush off. Oh, yes, of course, you know, right. sort of thing. And right. so it's already, you know, Marcus even knows it's going into the government's hands at that well, point. Well, I don't... I don't know if these books are still being published. Uh, do you guys know if they're still doing new Indiana Jones books? I don't think they're doing new ones. I remember when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, they re-released right. a bunch of the older ones. But I haven't seen a, a, a new one in quite some time. I, so what I've I would heard lo- of three new ones. Um, one called um, Indiana Jones. something about Mount Sinai. Uh, and there was one that's kind of connected to that book, and there's one that I think just recently came out, or it's going to come out pretty soon, um, Indiana Jones and the Army of the Dead. That's right. Yeah, I did hear something about that. I wonder what is era it, that's Is it a zombie story? In. I think it might be. Zombies are like mummies or something like that. Right. If you want to read the comics, though, Dark Horse has collected just about everything into trades. Right. They've they've got two further adventures of omnibuses with with the Marvel stuff, and they put out two more of the stuff that they've published, and they've published a lot of miniseries over the years. I read that uh, Tomb of the Gods, and that Tomb of the Gods is pretty good. I heard good and things you, about that. You have like Fate of Atlantis, Thunder in the Orient. Uh, what else is it here? The Arms of God. I mean, those sound like really good Indiana Jones titles. Yeah. They do, but see, I checked. See, the the Dark Horse stuff for Indiana Jones, as I recall, checking out some of the early stuff. I had the same problem with Star Wars: is that they just weren't clicking somehow. It was a combination of the art was very substandard, and then sometimes the stories were just not very good. But my impression is that you know, Dark Horse. On, on the whole, and I know this for a fact with, with Star Wars, Dark Horse finally got their shit together, and their Star Wars stuff rocks now. So I'm kind of assuming that maybe their new Indiana Jones stuff might be pretty good, too, if, if they're following the same formula. So 
Yeah, I'd like to check that out again. But I know the first stuff that they were putting out in the early days when they got the license was not very good. I would I would recommend uh, Tomb of the Gods. If you get a minute and you want to check it out, I, I would suggest doing it. See, I've heard yeah. that like a lot of the vi- subsequent video games have been a lot better. Have actually been more indie story like. I tell you, the one that that I will talk up that I absolutely loved was uh, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine. Right, that, that was the first one. Damn wasn't it? good. Yeah, that's actually the second one. There was an earlier one that I don't think was terribly sophisticated. It may have even been like a text game. I I really know very little about it, but it was Indiana Jones and the something of Atlantis, Fate of Atlantis or something like that. And I never saw it or played it or anything, but I mean, it was very popular amongst indie fans. I just really don't know anything about it, but that Infernal Machine I got when I, when I got like my first PC and uh, loved it, played the shit out of that game and actually beat it. And it was a great, great game. It was totally indie and, uh, and just a, a hell of a lot of fun. It captured all the elements and, and was like a, a, a globe-spanning adventure and all that. Uh-huh. But the problem with that game is, is you know, the version to play is the PC version, but then Microsoft has never followed up. You know, either Microsoft or Lucasfilm has never followed up and patched it. So most systems beyond Windows 98 won't run it worth a shit. And, you know, like on my system, it'll just constantly crash. There's some sort of conflict with later video cards and stuff to where it just won't run, you know, with Windows, basically. And, you know, uh, Lucasfilm has come right out and said, well, you know, there's nothing in it for us to to patch this, so we're not going to patch it. And it's a a goddamn shame because that game was great because the next one that came along is a good game. And I, you know, I recommend it if you can find it on the cheap. It was uh, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, and it was a really solid game. But the only problem with that is that it was one of those games where you could only save at the end of levels, and when you get to a certain point in that game, it's almost impossibly fucking hard. So there was this one sequence that that I never got past, where I finally just gave up in frustration. Where you start out, you have to run a very long way, fall into a pit, and then these spike things start to to come at you. And you had to time it just right to where you climbed up on the spikes to get out of the pit, which was next to impossible. But then if you actually managed to do that, then you had to swing. You had to whip swing almost like Spider-Man with his web shooters across all these perils and go basically in a big U-shape around like almost like an obstacle course. If you managed to survive that, then there was this part where you were walking on like, I don't know, it was like electrically charged plates or some fucking thing. And you had to disable something to where you wouldn't get electrocuted within like a couple of seconds on each new plate. And that was the point that I could make it to and could not make it through. And I finally was like, ah, fuck this game. Because by (laughs) this point, you had played for like an hour and a half. And so if you died, you had to start all the way back at the beginning of the level again. There was nowhere to save. And that game was great, except for the fact that, you know, you needed to be able to save after every peril. 
And the fact that you couldn't just made it, you know, I mean, you'd have to have the patience of Job to play that fucking game through to its conclusion. And I just couldn't do it. I'm, I'm just not that patient a person. Which, which we might note you do not have. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not to say that it wasn't good up till that. Up to that point, it was totally rocking Indiana Jones. I mean, you had every element was there. And about the only thing I can recall... You know, of classic indie that was missing from Infernal Machine that Emperor's Tomb had in spades was actual fistfights. I mean, you actually got to beat the shit out of bad guys in Emperor's Tomb, which is, I, I just, maybe I just you know can't remember, but I don't remember that in Infernal Machine. I just remember a lot of gunplay, you know, where you could, like, shoot bad guys and stuff, but I don't remember actually having you know, knock down, drag out fistfights. And there was a lot of that going on in uh, in Emperor's Tomb. So I recommend them both, but I recommend Infernal Machina a, a lot more just because it's more puzzle saw. It's it's like Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider meets, uh, I don't know, like, uh, oh shit, now I'm blanking on the name of that game. Never mind. I can't remember the name, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> Mario Kart. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sold. My kids play the shit out of Lego Indiana Jones. I've never played it myself. I've watched them play it, but I've never played it. They, they swear it I haven't played it yet. I haven't yeah. played that Lego Batman so yet. so much fun. I, I love Lego Star so Wars, much. so I can't wait to, to dig into Indiana Jones. They're coming out with a, um, a sequel to uh, the Lego Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, by the time this... Blue Crystal Skull. Yeah, by the time this episode goes up, that game should have just come out. Oh! Uh, yeah, the Lego Indiana Jones 2. I think it's scheduled to come out like November 18th or something like that. So, yeah, it should have just come out when this one goes up. Daddy needs to go to the store, then. <laughs> now, do you, do you know anything about the last game, that Staff of Kings? Because I've heard incredibly mixed reviews on that, but I haven't heard anything from anybody I, you know, I actually trust. I heard uh, I heard uh, a mix too. I haven't played it yet. I know that uh, I will be getting a Wii for Christmas, and I'll be getting uh, Staff of Kings for the Wii, and cool. which is uh, cool because um, uh, the Fan of Atlantis game is an unlockable feature on that game exclusively. Oh, cool! That's so very I'll getting, cool. I'll be getting a twofer. Man, I tell you what, if if it turns out that somewhere hidden on that. Infernal Machine is in that, I would snap that up in a heartbeat. Well, I hear that um, Lucasfilm is actually going back and doing a lot of their PC games, and they're redoing them. You know, you can buy them for like, you know, maybe five bucks or what have you, and you can mm-hmm. download them to your, um, and, and you can download them to your computer. I can't remember, um, they, I think they've done like two um, Indiana Jones related games, but I don't think it's Infernal Machine. I think it was a couple before that. Maybe Fan of Atlantis and something else. So, I mean, if they keep going... Oh, it might be that island something... Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was, a, it was a big Lucasfilm computer property for a while. Like Monkey... Was it Monkey Island? Something like that? Because there was actually an Easter egg in Infernal Machine where right toward the very end of the game where you go into the dimensional vortex or whatever the hell it was, if you knew where to look for it there was a part where you could go into and you crawl through a cave and you emerge from the cave as a completely different character and i can remember doing it for the first time going whoa what the hell just happened and i read about it 
years later and what it was is you actually turned into the character from monkey this island. other lucasfilm yeah monkey island or whatever it was very briefly and so if you were a fan of the other one it was really a nice easter egg because you would get it but me having never even heard of the other property i didn't quite get mm. what it was i just thought it was a little lucasfilm whatever and you know it was still cool but i just didn't get the joke you know okay but that that's that might be what you're thinking of or, or what you heard about because that was one of their really big I don't know if they've ever picked that property back up, but they did several sequels to that and they were very successful. I've I've heard some mixed reviews of that new game too. I heard that it has a lot of very interactive backgrounds and stuff. You can smash up almost anything and you know, things will crunch up a little different way each time. But there's some glitchy stuff aspects to it that are kind of frustrating is sort of what I heard the soundtrack is you know worth a download too because oh. it plays very well into the um, into the John Williams indie score well both of the ones for uh, Infernal Machine and Emperor's Tomb do too I would say Emperor's Tomb more so it more feels like like something that that Williams might have actually scored himself Whereas Infernal Machine has a little bit more of that computer game sound to it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, but Emperor's Tomb almost sounds like an orchestral score, and it really does capture that feel. So, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to check that one out for Staff of Kings just to, to hear the music. But what made me wonder about that game was, you know, I, I don't like to buy video games brand spanking new when they come out because, you know, I can't afford a $50, $60 game. That game plummeted in price. I mean, it went from it when did. it came out, it was like 50, 60 bucks, and to like, boom, overnight, it was like 20 bucks. And I was like, wow, that game must really suck yeah. if, it, if it dropped that fast. But again, I was kind never... of uh, anticipating it to be like the Evil Dead games that kind of came out. Yeah, I, yeah, I was they, just they thinking that like same thing. And they're great. Well, yeah, the, the, I think video game reviews, I, I take them with a grain of salt the same way I do with movie reviews is because everybody's got different tastes. And a couple of my absolutely favorite games of all time, much like my favorite movies of all time, the critics absolutely fucking hated them. So, right. you know, I, I might play this game and find that, it, you know, it's the greatest thing I've ever played. Who knows? So, yeah, I you know, I, I'm willing to take a chance on it, but I'm I'm going to take a cheap chance on it too. Uh-huh. Like Monster Squad and Howard the Duck. There you go. <laughs> well, um, I just wanted to throw out there. I don't think it's. I don't think we should go into it because we did a whole episode on this. If you go way back to episode seven of our show, we had uh, Mark Buttrick on as a guest talking about the Indiana Jones. Um, shows and attractions at mm. the different uh, theme parks, you know, the Disney theme parks. So I would uh, recommend, you know, if, if folks haven't listened to those, go back and give the, that episode a listen. That was a, a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, God, one of these days I've got to make it out to Disneyland because I hear that there are Indiana Jones. You know, at, at Disneyland, Indiana Jones is actually a ride attraction, whereas at Walt Disney World, it's it's a show. show. It's a stunt show. But uh, that ride attraction is supposed to be just unreal. It's supposed to be one of the best things in Disneyland. So I'm, I'm hoping one day to make it out there and, and be able to check that out. As soon as I win the lottery, all four of us are going. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm holding you to that shit, too. You hold me to it. You'll be the first person I call. Second person. I'm going to have to call my wife. 
Yeah, you I better also, call hey, your wife before you call Scott. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> now, do you read the uh, the Dark Horse has a has a new series of uh, little digest size books coming out called Indiana Jones Adventures? Have you been checking those out? Um, I would like to as soon as you know, like uh, things get a little bit more caught up um, economically in this household. Oh, I feel um, you. Uh, like a whole lot. Of my my uh, my wife got her hours cut because you know we had a baby um, about two months ago, and um, yeah, her um, she's trying to get her hours back, and you know we're we're getting there slowly but surely. But um, as soon as we get back on track, there's a whole mess of stuff that I would like to get back into, like collecting back issues of uh, the further adventures, and probably getting the uh, the omnibuy of them and you know just you know penny books you know I'm like I can't get penny books right now because we're kind of strapped so well if if you're going to get the omnibuses go to uh, instocktrades.com because they're super cheap I hear that they're like 37% off really the only thing I had left was uh, was talking up that uh, Indiana Jones Adventures from Dark Horse I mean if you've ever seen Star Wars Adventures from Dark Horse or the new tabloid size Star Wars books that they're putting out that they 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 look just very deceptively like they're kiddie books you know like they're they're intended for young kids and I would say that a young kid could read these because you know Logan and I read these together he's nine. But they're not dumbed down. I mean, they're not like Spidey Super Stories. They're they're still very intelligent, very enjoyable stories. And uh, I just got the newest Indiana Jones adventures. There's only two of them so far. I just got the newest one in my last Heroes Corner order, and I loved it, man. I've loved both of these. They're they're really really good indie adventures. Actually, both of them are set before. Raiders, so we're getting okay. sort of a, a slightly younger, slightly grittier Indiana Jones. You know, uh, he's uh, still um, going up against like Belloc, and in the first one, he went up against the guy who was it Forrestal that we saw dead in the very beginning of Raiders. Um, oh, was in right. The first uh, Indiana Jones Adventures. So I highly recommend these. I mean, like I say, you you look at the covers, you look at the art, and you think. Oh, this is like kiddie adventures of Indiana Jones, but really they're not. I mean, they're they're really very intelligent stories that are just as enjoyable for an adult to read as as for a, a kid to read, and uh, totally all ages. It was a lot of fun. I really uh, I really recommend them. Oh, I didn't even know they existed. Yep. Well, they're not. They you know like those Star Wars books that are coming out. You know the there's there's the ones that are the Clone Wars ones, and then there's the ones that are Clone Wars, but they're a little bit more in line with those Clone Wars Adventures books right. that used to come out. And then there's actually a series of, of Star Wars ones that are like original trilogies. Uh, there's been a, a Princess Leia one. There was that Han and Chewie one a couple months back. But none of them seem to be coming out with any regularity. They're, they're almost like one-shots. Even if they're numbered, they're still kind of just... They show up whenever. It doesn't seem to be any schedule to them at all, so... And they're you know they're very standalone. They don't you know they're they're individual stories. They don't refer back to one another or whatever. So I mean you can just pick one up and read it, and and it's a self-contained thing. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm digging them. I, they're, I think they're really fun. I'll have to check them out. I haven't read an Indiana Jones comic in God I don't know how long since I was in high school. I've seen a couple of them you know over the years, but yeah, I never had much faith in mm-hmm. them being any good. 
Well, along those lines, you know, the first movie in particular, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, spawned a lot of books of its own. You know, there was the novelization, which I have vague memories of, but I remember it I being read the novelization, and it was great. It was yeah. very well written. Yeah, I really like that. And, uh, you know, there was the, the screenplay book that was really neat to look at because it I had actual those. storyboards. Yeah, I love those. And there was that... I can't remember the... Who was the German's name? It was like Dietrich or something like that. Yeah, who, if, if you look at the, uh, the storyboards, there's a couple of storyboards where he has a cybernetic arm. So oh. apparently at some point... You know, early in the in the state, you know, the planning stages or storyboarding stages or whatever, he was actually going to be like a like a cyborg or something. So that I thought that was kind of interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I knew more about that idea and and you know where that went and everything. I, I'm glad that that I'm glad that was actually toned. It would have been neat. It would have lent much more into that serial movie feel, I guess. But I, I like that that one. You know was very grounded in reality even despite you know the mystical aspects with the arc and all that that's that movie still feels very grounded and i think a cybernetic nazi <laughs> wouldn't have felt Might terribly have been a grounded. too much yeah yeah i remember when that when the movie came out and it was just like star wars time magazine made a big deal out of it and had a big you know splash right up about it and one of the things they had in the write up was a lot of storyboards next to the picture of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I loved that shit when I was a kid. Oh, I still love it. I still love seeing that. I would love to watch, you know, the animantics that they do nowadays. Right. I would, yeah. lo- I would love to watch all the animantics of, like, all the all those Lucas and Spielberg movies, you know. That, that would be awesome to me. It would be like listening to Beatles bootlegs where they were writing songs in the studio and stuff you know seeing i love seeing that process well you know something else to uh to mention briefly is uh i don't know what you would call it exactly i guess you could call it the legacy of indiana jones is all the things you know much like star wars in its genre all the things that that indiana jones inspired i mean there you know there's a lot of stuff that owes directly back to romancing you know, the stone yeah, a lot. Of, well, there were a lot of indie. Tomb Raider. Yeah, there were a lot of indie copy movies too. Just like there were lots mm-hmm. of, you know, Mad Max copies and Star Wars copies. You know, the right. the indie copies came out, and there were a lot of them that were actually decent movies. You know, swashbuckling. Well, you you mentioned one that's always been a sore spot to me. As much as I like both Robert Zemeckis and. Um, Alan Silvestri, I have never been a fan of Romancing the Stone, but I'm curious oh, what, what you thought of that. I liked Did you both like that? Of them. I liked both of them, that and um, Jewel of the Nile. Really? I, I never I saw, saw the Romancing the Stone in the, on the big screen and was just, yeah, I was just caught up right in it. It was a good adventure, you know, it never stopped. I wonder if I'd feel differently about it today, but I, you know, I, I think I Kathleen had sort Turner of a... Was hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a doll. You get some side boob in there, too. I think <laughs> part of my problem Woo-hoo. with that movie may have been the same type of thing I had going on when I saw um, Battlestar Galactica at the drive-in. 
Because I walked away from Battlestar Galactica as young as I was going, ah, that's nothing but a fucking Star Wars ripoff. And I walked away from Romancing the Stone doing the same thing going, oh, that's nothing but a fucking Raiders ripoff, you know? But I wonder if I'd feel differently about it today if I watched it again. I might. Cause not, I actually it has like, different elements uh, in it, you know? It's yeah, different. I, I was about to say, um, you know, the, the, the thing about Romancing the Stone is it's a, a, a romance novelist going on an adventure. Yeah. Uh, right. And Michael Douglas isn't so much an Indiana Jones character. He's more of a Han Solo character. Yeah. Right, than yeah. Anything else. And it was just kind of a fun jungle, you know, adventure where you, you know, like, like the big thing everyone remembers is that uh, he lands headfirst into her crotch. Right, yeah. And stuff like is that. Is that Go the ahead. same movie where they find a, a crashed plane and yes. the, the skeleton inside is wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt? Yeah, it's a, it's a crashed, like, marijuana smuggling plane. I have been trying for years to remember what the hell movie that was from, was and then it just it just hit me. Yeah, thank and you. It, you just it had that great scene where they go to visit the the drug dealer, and he drives him <laughs> off, but then he finds out that you know who Kathleen Turner is. He's like, yeah. I've read all your books, and all of a sudden they're they're in like Flint. Yeah, he's knocking himself out to help him. I, yeah, I thought that movie had, and Jewel of the Nile was really good too, and it had a different feel to it, and was set in a different part of the the world, but. But unfortunately for me, I don't know. I, I, I probably still need to give it a chance. But, you know, we were talking a little while ago about box office poison. And that one's got a big one for me, which is Danny fucking DeVito. Oh, I thought he, I, I like Danny DeVito. Oh, What's my wrong God. Danny DeVito. I know, he's, he's Danny DeVito. <laughs> I, 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 Interesting I, side point. He was, um, the, um, I was reading um, on the IMDb that he, he was in talks to originally play Salah. Oh, wow. How different I can could see that it. have been? I can see it, though. Oh, he's always been one of my favorites. He's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's where I first saw yes, him. Yes, he is. And I, just don't, and I've been I don't know what it is. It just, just rubs me the wrong I way. I love character it. actors, and he's a classic character actor. He, You know, he that One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest had Nicholson, Danny DeVito. It had that the one the guy with the wall out. eyes with the big bags under his eyes in it, and it had... What was it? Gollum? The, the guy who played Chief Bromden is one of, is a great character actor. One of my favorites, Will Sampson and Scatman Carruthers, another great, great character actor. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Christopher Lloyd yeah. was in it also. So it was just packed full of, yeah, some of my favorites. I'm convinced that Christopher Lloyd can play any character. Yeah, he's, oh, hell he's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he is great. He I've should have been in an Indiana Jones movie. He would have been. But a you great know, I was thinking about. Oh, guy. man, I'm so glad that you said that because you, you you just reminded me of something that I wanted to throw out there. I had the craziest idea when I was thinking about this show the other day and things. You know, because one of the things that came out of the last movie, out of out of Crystal Skull, for me, is I would really like to see the novels continue and fill in. The, the the in between years between Last Crusade and uh, and Crystal Skull and one thing I'd really like to see is Area Fifty One. You know, well, no, no, no. They're they're talking about um, you know there's the the part right after the nuclear bomb where his old war buddy friend comes in and he's talking about you know the medals that he won and that he served in World War Two. I'd like to really read about that. I'd love to yeah. read about any adventures in World War Two, but it just got me to thinking about. All of his agent. adventures. 
Well, you know, just just I'd like to see all of that stuff filled in. And as my mind was wandering through, you know, what adventures could he be in and what could be going on, and I got to thinking, you know, that this movie was in 1957, and then it occurred to me, wow, that's only two years after 1955, and what happened in 1955? Back to the Future. And then I got to, and I started going on these weird <laughs> tangents, and I was like, how awesome would it be to have a crossover between Marty old indie and like Doc Brown, you know, and you know, and have almost like a like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in the '50s kind of thing, and you could start bringing in more '50s characters, like maybe like the scientist guy from War of the Worlds, and I would love something. I mean, it would be totally geeky, but it could be really cool. Well, you know, it could the, be really uh, awesome. the most bizarre crossover that I've ever heard like that. I don't know if it was an official book or if it was a a one of the, like the high profile fan fiction pieces of Han Solo being trapped on this backwater planet and finding the remains of a guy in a that has a fedora, a whip, and the leather jacket. Well, I know that there's a story that's exactly the reverse of that in Star yeah. Wars Tales. <laughs> that's where what I'm thinking Han, of. I'm sorry. Han and Chewie crash on a planet, and then years later. Indiana Jones finds That's right. That's their right. remains in the Falcon, and I thought that was a really cool story. Um, I saw in an issue of um, Devil's Do um, when they did the when they picked up the rights to do the Army of Darkness uh, comic book, and uh, Ash has to go to this cave and find uh, the Necronomicon. There's Indiana Jones skeleton. <laughs> oh, that's cool. There. That's very cool. Well, like maybe like that was his last adventure trying to find the book of the, the Necronomicon. Yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones and the Book of the Dead. That's well, probably would... where they're going to be going in uh, Indiana Jones and the Army of the Dead. Yeah, quote, quote me. I, I remember <laughs> years ago there being uh, there being somewhere I read something about they were toying with the idea. I guess it was in comics. About doing a crossover with uh, with Indiana Jones and Laura Croft, and I'm kind of sad that they weren't able to work that out somewhere. I don't I don't know how exactly that would work since they're separated by you know 50, 60 years. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, but still, I you know I think it's an, an interesting idea. But that's kind of my half-assed segue into. I just wanted to talk for a moment about Tomb Raider. Now I'm talking about strictly about the video games. I've never seen the movies, but uh, okay, I loved the video games and I you know you you would never ever have gotten those games without uh without Indiana Jones oh no for sure and you know granted the quality of them has gone you know up and down drastically over the years but I felt like you know the the last one I played was the the next to most recent game the, the most recent one I'm aware of is underground I haven't played that one but the one just before it which was I don't know legacy or something like that was awesome and uh man those games you know granted it's a it's a girl and they're modern and all that sort of thing but they totally give me an indiana jones fix when i play those games just you know the the puzzle solving and the in the archaeology and just the the whole element really captures that world and uh i wish that they could produce more indiana jones video games that were as good as the best of the tomb raider games that would that would be yeah that'd be awesome have you guys ever played uh, any of the Tomb Raider stuff? Yeah, I played the first one when it first came out for like the the, um, the PS One. Yeah. Uh huh. 
way back when, and I liked it, but I mean, it didn't um, it didn't pique my interest enough to continue on with it. I enjoyed it. I discovered the franchise with the second one, and followed you know beyond that, I went from number two on through to whatever that one that was basically the franchise killer for a number of years. I can't remember which one it was. It was a really bad game. I played all of them. And when I got to that last one and it was so bad and I and I stopped playing it and I, and I suddenly remembered, I was like, you know, I never played the original. So I went back and tried to play the original, but technology had moved so far beyond it by that point that it was one of those things where I just couldn't step back to like the really rough pixelated graphics yeah. and all that. So that, to this day, I've never played the very first one, but but still love, you know, the, the franchise and all. I thought it was a, a hell of a lot of fun. And Michael, you say you don't play video games? I'm not a big gamer. I don't have the patience for it. My <laughs> wife can sit there and claw and like run out the freaking clock on Final Fantasy VII doing so many side quests and stuff like that. And I, I get through like 10 minutes of it and I'm like, God, I want a sandwich. I get, I get, I have a once in a while, if it's the right game, I'll play the hell out of it. Lego Star Wars was one of those. When I got, we got the whole, you know, all six movies, Lego Star Wars, I played all the way through that. And there was this one, Katamari Damacy, that I would play for hours. And I can't remember that one. Is that now, the one where you roll around picking yeah, up a whole bunch of awesome. shit? Yeah, that was cool. And the one... You recommended to me that I can't remember off that it was like state of emergency or something where you're just running around shooting people and blowing things up. Oh. Oh, uh, was it the one that you played here? No, no, it's before that. It's something I play on my PlayStation. But yeah, it, that's it was by uh, Rockstar Games. And yeah, you're in a mall. I think it was state of emergency. Yeah, something like yeah. that. I I played that a lot, but it's just you know I. It's, I go through long periods of time where I don't have time to play video games, and I've had like a year of that. My roommates had both Lego Batman and Indiana Jones on our Wii for the last since they came. Both of them came out, and I haven't had a chance to play them. But I will play the, those. I love those Lego games, and it, I hear they play just like the Star Wars games. So I'm I'm looking forward to both of those, especially the Indiana Jones one. Yeah, even the boys. More up my alley. The boys love, love, love getting that game. So they're gonna, they're going to be excited about that sequel one coming out. I don't know if they've heard about it. They probably have. They're more, much yeah. more up on all that shit yeah, than I am. But you know, there's a whole network of, of that stuff in school. You know, you but said cool the magic you can work. build, a, you can build levels on the new game. Ooh. Oh, cool. okay. That's so cool. be, yeah, that's very be first cool. First line to get that. Well, you had, uh, you said, Chris, you know, that it's got to be the right game. And that's what I was going to say to Michael is, I mean, you know, come on, man, you're a geek. You got to play video games. But, you know, I'm with you. I used to be a, I mean, when Chris and I were kids and all the new video games were coming out, you know, the arcade games, we played the shit out of any video game that you Oh, yeah. When I was a teenager, I'd go to the freaking arcade all the time. Oh, yeah. Today, I've become much more selective myself. I mean, it's really got to be something that, that catches and keeps my interest. But I, I would say, you know, well, the pl- I, I can give you some recommendations for some games that I think, geek-wise, I think you'd really get into. I, I've played, like, you know, Superman Shadow of Apocalypse for the PS2. And I really, uh-huh. I, you know, I actually went through and beat that, and that was kind of fun. And there's, like, a couple other games that I like, like Simpsons Road Rage. Mm-hmm. which is just something my wife and I could sit there and play over and over again. But as far as like involved 
like RPG type games. Yeah, it's oh hard. yeah, it's just hard yeah. to commit to. Yeah, yeah. And it's just and it seems like a lot of them are like that. It's just like well, you have to do all the side levels, and you're almost required to buy the walkthrough or illegally copy it online and <laughs> yeah. print it out, have it next to you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not big on those kind of games either. About the only RPGs I've ever played start to finish would be like the the Marvel ones, like Marvel, uh, what was it, the X-Men Legends and Marvel Ultimate Alliance and stuff like that. But I, me, I'm pretty much a straight-up shooter guy. I just I like, like first-person destroying things, yeah. yeah. I, take uh, I have Battlefronts, too, so I, I, I do play that every once in a while. I, I like the Mario games. I, the, Mar- the new Mario game Ugh. for the Wii, I enjoyed the hell out of. Oh, it was great. I I enjoy those sort of Nintendo-style games a lot more than, like, first-person shooters and stuff like that. I'm very bad at first-person shooters. (laughs) But I would play some first-person shooter game if it was, like, a good Indiana Jones game because that would get me beyond my prejudices against it or, you know, thinking, I can't play this, you know. Well, Emperor's Tomb is not a first-person shooter, but it has several levels where... Um, I can remember one in particular where you get into a turret and uh-huh. you, you're, you're basically, like, firing an anti... Uh, what do they call it? Anti-aircraft weapon at all these planes dive-bombing you and stuff. Uh-huh. And that was one of the best parts of, of the entire... It was one of the best levels of the entire game. It was an absolute blast. So you might like something like that. Yeah. You know, the graphics were beautiful and all, but, uh, yeah, that was, you know, that part of it was really cool. But, uh, yeah, I think we should, uh, I think we're about hitting our, uh, yeah. finishing time. And we just managed we... to bring it back to Indiana Jones, so we better get out while yeah, we're Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> if, I can tell, um, if I can tell just one more story. That, oh, um, sure. I, I, um, I just recently, uh, I adopted my son. Um, I, you know, he was my stepson for a while, I adopted him uh, the week before Father's Day this year. So, um, you know, I, I've been slowly kind of uh, acclimating him towards, you know, my level of nerddom. And I have all of my, um, I have all my video games, my comic books, you know, my, all, all my old toys and action figures and things like that in, uh, in the Josh Cave, my nerd room in the basement. So we, we're in here one day and, you know, he's got, he's got the, um, my old uh, Ninja Turtle toys and he's playing with those. And I'm just like, hey man, you wanna you wanna try out these Star Wars figures? And I have you know a couple boxes of Star Wars figures, and there's like robots and aliens and you know things like that, cool stuff that I think that like a three and a half year old would be like, holy shit, <laughs> robots and aliens. And you know he's kind of lukewarm with them, and it's just yeah whatever, kind of batting him around. And then he um, he saw um, a box that I have of the um, the cargo truck from Raiders from the Hasbro line that was out last year. Oh, cool. Still in the box, you know, it was like, it was the, the, the canvas-covered one. And uh, the box is kind of dinged up, and he's like, ooh, you know, because he can't talk yet. He's like, ooh. Like, oh, you want to play with that? Uh-huh. Like, oh, shit, that's still in the box. <laughs> but he really wanted, but, but he really wanted to play with it, and toys are meant to be so what I opened a, what it. What a super I op- nerd dilemma. I know, right? <laughs> I, was, I, I almost wanted to, you know, crush his dream of playing with that, that truck. Being like, it's still in the box. Toy line's discontinued. <laughs> but, you know, I opened the box. I let him play with it. And he was having a blast with it. And I was like, 
well, here, these kind of these, these go with that. And I had a shoebox full of Indiana Jones figures. And he's just like, oh. So now I cannot get him to stop playing with these Indiana Jones figures. And unlike the Star Wars figures, which are, you know, basically robots and cool aliens and, you know, lightsabers and, you know, shit like that, he likes to play with the toy line that is primarily middle-aged men. <laughs> and, you know, and teachers and scholars and things like that. And I'm like, you know what? More power to you, big guy. That's you one go. more. That's one more uh, that you climbed up a couple levels of your your nerddom. That I'm, you know, I'm gonna take you all the way to the top. <laughs> Stick with me, kid. We're gonna go places. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Some parts of Crystal Skull, and you know, the parts that he can take, and that'll be a launch pad into it. Excellent. So there you go. Excellent. I think that's a perfect story to to go out on. The next generation Absolutely. of Indiana Jones fans rising to the top. <laughs> and a heartwarming story to How often does Two True Freaks end with a heartwarming story? Never. More like a usually it's in a court order. Yeah, a court order, a cease and desist notice or a heart burning story. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg, just stop talking about me. Yeah, you, rest- you've seen my movies. I got your money. Whatever. Restraining orders from Christian Bale and stuff like that. Yeah. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. Two True Freaks. is spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. Lipson, which is L I B S Y N. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1 585 COP LURE. That's 1 585 267 5873. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are now also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening to True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Core of Milan, Italy and by the letters F and U. We lost Scott. Did we? Yeah, he dropped off. Oh, hang on. Let me, um, I gotta find the... hope somebody didn't nuke Carrollton. No, it happens. It happens every once in a while. Oh, yeah, there he is. I've got so many 
different windows open. I gotta find. The... <laughs> Dude, what is that picture by your face? I mean, by your name, Chris. Oh, the, uh, that's Pisspot the Rabbit. Okay. Um, hang on. Let me plop him in here. If you, all you have to do is go to YouTube and put Pisspot the Rabbit in, and you'll see what's going on with that. Scott, Scott just met. Actually, pretty soon our Dragon Con footage will have some Pisspot the Rabbit in it. Excellent. I saw a couple of your Pisspot the Rabbit videos on YouTube, and I kept reading all the comments and what have you, and then it's like, oh, Triumph Ripoff, fail. And I'm yeah. reading it, I'm like, there's no, it's just like, you know oh, why, he's, you he's, know he's why a puppet, that happened? he's funny. You know why that happened? Because Pisspot the Rabbit and Triumph actually met at the oh. 2004 Republican Convention we we crossed paths with the guys doing Triumph, and Triumph totally kicked my ass. Mm. Completely, completely. Well, they had uh, writers there. Like, he had like oh, 16 yeah. guys. They? Yeah, oh yeah, he had a bunch of writers. But he was just, um, you, you know, the guy The guy is used to dealing with, with stuff like that. And at the same time, I didn't want to get in some sort of weird Triumph situation. So I just sort of reacted with Pisspot. Huh, Scott keeps getting re- redirected to voicemail. Maybe he's, he might be restarting his Skype, so I'll just give him a minute or two. Okay. But, uh, you know, I just I just sort of reacted in the way of, like, Pisspot being one of those fans that goes up to see their, their hero, and their hero is really rude to them, and then all of a sudden they're bitter about it. So I just played it off at that. I was just like, fuck you. You know, he's like, oh, look, it's another crazy person with a puppet coming to talk to me. And I'm like, hey, fuck you, man. <laughs> and and when I said that, that kind of scared him, you know, because he was like, oh, I don't know if this is because it wasn't like a jokey reaction. Uh-huh. And, and they just took off. <laughs> they just left. But <laughs> you scared. If, if you if you see that, that's my most watched video on YouTube. And I have the greatest collection of hate mail associated with with that <laughs> one. Every comment is just like you're a living abortion. You know you should die. You should kill yourself. Triumph rules. You suck. And that's how all the you got you're a ripoff of Triumph came because people would watch my other videos and then and then troll on there about Triumph. No, yeah. I actually tried to use Pisspot as a real interview tool rather than a ridicule tool. Uh huh. Because I love that triumph at the st- at the episode. It was I guess it was the episode two premiere. Oh right. Is is you know, even as a nerd myself, that's one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. At that point, he just there were a lot of good lines in it, and the guy's just a natural. It's because triumph the insult comic dog is basically Don Rickles. Right. Yeah. He's just he's just he's just you know going to be ruthless. So. Wherever he's put in front of, he's got to do that. But um, I always use the rabbit because it's like you can get people to say stuff to a little <laughs> fuzzy bunny that they wouldn't say under normal circumstances. And it, and it worked a lot. <coughs> Pardon me. Yeah, Scott's looking like he's not even popping up on the on the radar. Oh. Mm-hmm. Weird. Oh, it says he's online. Oh, he's back. Okay, I'll add him in. Yeah, he pro- he might have re- he might have restarted his whole com- computer from scratch. 
Snap, hey, there he is. Jeff, to restart hey, your sorry computer. About, no, it restarted itself, fucking thing. I, it just, well, actually, it didn't restart at all. It just turned off. I don't know what oh. that shit was about. That's the first time it's done that in a long time. I used to have a PC, and when that got towards the end of its life, it oh, had an alarm. Don't say shit like, had, say shit like that. No, this is, this is something I'm sure they don't do anymore in computers, but mine had an alarm inside of it. Like a little speaker inside the computer that when it would get too hot, it would go. Like horribly, horrible. And I would have to like blow fans on it and stuff to make it stop. A little bit ago, I thought I heard the fan like kick it up a notch in there. So I wonder if maybe it did get a little bit hot. I took the side off, so it's getting plenty of air at the moment. So hopefully it won't do it again. But that's bizarre. It's it has not done that shit in a long time. But yeah, it just totally was like, well, I've had enough and turned itself off. Well uh <sighs> if that doesn't work, just go get a leaf blower. Yeah. Just blow and just You know, I probably need to do that anyway, just to dust it out really good because I ran out of uh <sighs> Pressed air a while ago. I probably need Holy to. Holy crap! You know, we we do computers at Office Depot. We we repair quote unquote computers. Uh, do you find usually dead mice just... inside of them and stuff like that? <laughs> oh my god! Well, we don't we don't actually physically do anything to them. We hook it up to a network, and some geek out in California repairs it. But the sh- but there have been times where we've had to open up computers. And it's it, it's like a freaking mausoleum in there. It's just like Jesus, uh-huh. what are you doing? And, and and you know what? You would think that when you bring your computer to a place, a public place, to have it looked on, you would get rid of the full frontal nude wallpaper. So that yeah, when it's I like wearing this clean computer, underwear to the doctors. <laughs> you, seriously, this 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 kind of like I, I hate to say this, this like textbook uh, geek came in. With his, you know, role-playing T-shirt and kind of questionable uh, speech impediment, uh-huh. <laughs> and all that, everything. And he brings it in, and he's like trying to. He's asking me what's wrong with it while telling me what's wrong with it, which I kind of hate because it's just like, look, are you asking my opinion or are you telling me what I need to do? But I turn it on, and 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 keep in mind that this computer, the the, the computer, the monitor I'm hooking up to is in full view of God and everybody. And I turn it on, and the first thing I see is full frontal, like, Maxim model. I'm like, I look at him, I go, can I change that? He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have changed that. I go, yeah, because the five-year-old behind you doesn't need to see this. He's so embarrassed. It was like, are you kidding me? You didn't You didn't think just to switch to the to the default wallpaper before you bring that shit out? <laughs> well, I know the geek the Geek sure Squad could... guys that I was friends with at Best Buy, that was I'll the very first thing that they would do is find a porno on your computer if you if Oh, you yes. So I was going to say they... ever... uh, Go ahead. I was going to say they probably had quite a porno collection from oh, that yeah. job. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've ever one time searched porn on your computer and you take it into that place, don't think that those guys won't be able to fucking find that stuff because they will. It doesn't matter if you deleted it you know, and wiped your hard drive and the whole nine yards. Those guys, you know, it'd be funny masters at finding that. You stuff. know, it'd be funny is if you 
save all these porn name files that look like porn movies, and they're really files of like your secret basement torture chamber, and you're killing like Home Depot people, <laughs> pe- you know, <laughs> technicians in it. <laughs> You're the last ones who found my porno. That would be funny. I would, would just like throw, I would just throw porno on people's computers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> horrifying, horrifying porno. <laughs> would they ever bust uh, husbands in front of their wives with it? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think they they tried to be very you know low key about that shit. I mean, yeah. not to my knowledge, anyway. Because if those people paid for that porn and they're just making copies off of it, you know, basically stealing it, yeah, the person would probably get really pissed. Yeah. It's like the thing I pay twenty nine ninety nine because my fetish is seeing a barely legal girl dressed up like Greg the Bunny. Yeah. You know, like Well, I know that they turned people in. Like if they would find stuff on kitty there that was like kitty like porn that. and shit, yeah, they I think they were morally obligated to, to They might have been legally you know, obligated to yeah, also. Or, or that's what I meant to say was legally that's obligated. That's how they got Adam Ant. Yeah. <laughs> don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? <laughs> Stand <Keyboard>. and deliver. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy. <laughs>